0: Put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane Touched down in the land of the Delta Blues In the middle of the pouring rain WC Handy, won't you look down over me class ticket, but I'm as blue as a boy can be but Then I'm walking in Memphis Just walking with my feet 10 feet off a of beam Walking in Memphis But do I really feel the way I feel? Saw the ghost of Elvis On Union Avenue Followed him up to the gates of Graceland And I watched him walk right through Now security, they did not see him They just hovered around his tomb But there's a pretty little thing Waiting for the king Down in the jungle room When I was walking in Memphis I was walking with my feet Ten feet off a beard Walking in Memphis do really
1: feel the way I feel. So that actually should just be walking to Memphis with a good book in my hand is what it should be. There
2: we be. go. There so we go. everybody, mm-hmm. welcome to the
1: Earth is Quill. The reason I actually played that tonight was um believe it or not, uh, Tennessee's overall reading, they have gone up something like twenty-seven percent in the since the COVID period, and it's actually stayed. So during That's COVID, great. they they went up about right, right around, they said right around thirty percent. And judging from book sales and other things, that it seems to have stayed in place. So that's nice. That's that means people in ten- Tennessee can actually read. I didn't know. Look, huh? <laughs> I'm from the deep south. Nobody can read down here. I Man, we're just talking about. You know, that's why we have signs with little numbers and letters on, them, so you know we know where we're going. But anyway, welcome to the show, everyone. I hope everyone's been having a great afternoon out all around the country and, and staying out of trouble. If you listen to us around the world, welcome. I know it's evening, morning, and all over the place. If you're out in Australia, hell. It's Sunday over there, so happy Sunday for everybody out there. Uh, we have Spencer Seculin with us tonight, and of course, we have the famous, famous John Goodwin with us tonight. And we're just going to be talking about uh, what Spencer's been up to, what kind of trouble he's been doing, who he's been chasing around the planet. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he looks like one of the kind of guys that might get in trouble. We, we better not let him get around Zach. It could be problems, man. We could, we, could, <laughs> we could be having problems. But, Spencer, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing?
3: I'm good. Thank you for having me.
1: How are you? Oh, uh thank you for being on. We always enjoy having people on. And I know um I think Carmen was telling me you were in book thirty nine as Writers of the Future, right? Um wasn't it? Wasn't it wasn't it? Yeah,
2: this one. Yes, yeah. oh yes, yes. That yes. one right
1: there. Yeah. way I got one of them around here. Oh, and don't y'all don't look at this. This one's actually been one. It was one last week. It's gonna go out uh uh actually goes out Monday,
3: so y'all won't see it anymore.
2: But let's see, can you see that? That's the story uh,
3: that the oh, to Yep. So yeah, so, yeah. as as John was saying, yeah, my story in, is the Children of Desolation in Volume 39. Great volume, by the way. That's black and white illustration.
2: Yeah, let's just get that.
3: I, um,
2: I usually get
1: to read the volumes twice because John sends them to me and I read them uh, when I get some time at the house, and then I always read them on the airplane coming in. Mm.
2: Yeah, and the artist of this, um, Siberian, is is her pen name. Uh, she's going to actually make it this year. She, had, she wasn't able to get a visa last year. She's from... Romania. Romania. Yeah. Yeah. So so she got a visa, so she'll be able to attend this year the the workshop. Yes. So that's that's okay. pretty Good.
3: That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's good yeah. to hear. Yeah. Well,
1: I've been hearing all kinds of people be gonna showing up at this thing. Uh, no, Jack. Yeah. I can't tell y'all anything. No, I'm the only one that can't say anything. John can, or if Emily's here, she can say I'm not allowed to say anything. Any any secrets I learn, I gotta keep them.
0: Sorry. That's right, that's right. <laughs> that's that's Spencer, just the way it's that's won
2: the contest when he's in Canada now. He's um uh, Going to be um, a doctor, right? In uh, Ireland, you're studying in Ireland.
3: Yep, that's where I am right now. I'm in Dublin, a lovely city of Dublin, yeah, right now. Wow, lovely. you've I'm got an accident
2: mean... starting to happen here. Oh, it's, yes, it's...
3: Is it, isn't it the Canadian one, or is there some Irish getting? No, there? It's some Irish is getting in, 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 in there Ireland. now. Yeah, it's, oh, no. hey,
1: that's a good thing. That's you know, it's, it's, don't get too crazy now. now. Yeah, but you got to watch though, because if, if 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 it crosses <laughs> over too much, I won't know what you're saying. I've been, I've interviewed people a couple of. How can I say this politely? Some really hardcore Irish people and some really hardcore Scottish people, and I was like, and I have a bad accent, so I shouldn't pick on anybody. But no, man, I was like, wait, we're gonna have to slow this down, like to like mock zero, and then just mm. figure out what word is what word. It was funny as hell, but it was because um, they get deep and they get like a almost like a gravelly
3: sound to them after a while. And and it depends it really on heavy. which which part of Ireland, yeah, on yeah the west yeah, coast especially, especially. There's some there's some dialects that get pretty tough yeah, to you know. decipher.
1: Yeah. But it, it's always great to listen to them. so, you know, it's always funny to me because when you, when you talk to American women, they always love a good accent from overseas, especially in those yeah. regions. I don't know what it is. Look, and ladies don't even try to be me because you know, it's true. So don't even, but I, in, in all fairness, um, I get a lot of compliments from my accents from people in Europe, which is funny to me because it's a coon-ass accent. So I'm kind of like, what? Maybe I should come over here and see what it is. Uh, but it is weird that both sides like the other accents. It's I find it strange. I guess it's because it's something you don't hear every day. Yeah. And it, and it just sounds different. Uh, but, hey, what can you do? So what have you been up to? You've been staying out of trouble? I mean, it's only it ain't been that long since you've been getting into trouble. So. <laughs>
3: Yeah well you know like ever since getting back from the the writers of the future workshop i uh, kind of went right in, back into the whole medical school thing oh, as yeah, you that's, may that's or may not know i yeah i mean as you may or may not know i work as a paramedic in in ontario in canada there but i take a break from that and come out here and do this as well so well, I kind of that's a serious commute before. Yeah, well, it, just, is. it is. It's it's more than an hour. It's more than an hour. <laughs> needless to say, so just a little bit. So, but I've been I've been writing the whole time. You know, I always write. I make time for it. Like I'll get up at five a.m. here, and yeah, like I get up at five a.m. and I'll spend a few hours writing before starting classes or anything else. So I yeah. still make sure I cut out the time regardless because I have to. You know, it's writing yeah. is something I need to do. You know, it's part of
4: no, it's my good identity, therapy. Yeah, my,
3: yeah, it's therapy, but I always need to be creating something, right? It's yeah. not always easy. It's not always easy to to write. I will say, you know, sometimes yeah. it feels like I'm just hitting my head against a wall. But the bottom line is, I got to keep showing up to it, no matter how busy I am, no matter what's going on, yeah. because it is as much a part of me as everything else I'm doing. So, did you
2: when you wrote "Children of De- De- uh, Desolation" is dark fantasy. So, are you is that like your genre of choice, or that's just what
3: this one happened to be? It tends to be my my genre of choice I think like sci-fi or fantasy I tend to lean more towards the more gritty serious uh subject matter I guess I read a lot of like Brandon Sanderson I mean he's not always dark but it tends to get pretty serious I would say yeah in many cases uh, at least like the the Miss the like Missborn, yeah. yeah yeah but uh, like Brent Weeks the Night Angel Trilogy I really like that um people like is it Amber Crombie Joe Amber uh I haven't read him some some pretty pretty dark like pretty pretty gritty medieval kind of fantasy right so but i read a variety but i tend to lean towards more towards the darker side of fantasy i would say but
2: at least it's not horror because dark horror just doesn't have an uptick at the end you had an, mm. like on this one you had, had a nice little like okay good there was a, a definite a good resolution the mm. guy dealt with his loss and came off the other end all the better for it so that was that yeah. was good yeah
3: yeah, I don't I don't like stories that don't have that kind of positivity at the end. Yeah. Like I want to see, you know, I want to see people go through difficult things. And the same with when I when I write them too, right? There has to be some some big problems and usually problems that we all have to have to deal with, right? You know, be it illness, be it loss, be it, you know, your own personal issues inside, right? Like yeah, I gotta see the character struggle with something and it tends to get heavier and darker, but the deeper they get dug into, right. The deeper they go, the, the more satisfying I find it is when they pull themselves out of it. Right. Yeah. So, so I tend to like, I like to see journeys of that, right. To that dark night of the soul and out again, as they might call it.
2: Right. Yeah? Mm-hmm. But that, um, that also that future earth isn't too far away from now either from the way you wrote it. I, I noticed the date of, uh, Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In that one, in that
3: one, yeah. Well that depends it was like twenty
2: twenty-seven, I think is what it had And they were Like, whoa, that's was it? Cool. yeah. I think okay. It was,
3: in the in the in the new version I'm writing, I just kind of blank it out so you can only see two zero and then you don't know what the actual date is. <laughs> so yeah. I leave it up to interpretation. <laughs> but oh, you're right, you're right. I did have that.
2: Yeah. I when I read it again this morning to get ready for this, I went, Wow, this is definitely pretty desolate,
3: even just yeah. on the immediacy of it. Well, in, in ten years people will read it and be like, huh, it didn't happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, after the nuclear winter, thanks to Poot, we can be reading in the dark with
2: a candle, reading, reading about what was coming. Yeah.
1: Oh man. It's the, uh, it, In it, it, the it's, children uh, of
2: desolation, they're like, you know, you've got then a new breed, you know, like earlier authors had Godzilla, you Spencer's now got, you know, these these critters. Hmm.
1: Well guys, you can get it. Well, Spencer, can you get it just as a book or you got to get it in the anthology?
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: somebody somebody just asked me where they could get the story at. And I know I know they can get it in the anthology. Yeah. Somebody asked if it was just a separate book somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think so.
3: Huh? Currently it's it's a short story inside the actual anthology, right? Yeah. Now. yeah you can get I from- am working on I am working on a like a full-length novel based on it. It's been a bit rocky going through it, but I am getting started on that. And kind of chipping
2: away at it as I go. I'd definitely be interested in uh reading once you get it, and then we can talk about it on the Rise of Feature podcast too. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, because it, it, it would be, it, I mean, first story is interesting to start off because who was it just recently? I know somebody converted their story to a book. Uh, who was it? Um, well, Death um, of a tax man, that's who it yeah, was. Yeah, David Hankins to... in here,
2: that was also in here too. Yes, yeah, and I and had him as a guest too, as he was to, to help when he did when he launched his Kickstarter. I'll definitely help you with that. I I, lo- I love it when I see that people have taken winners have taken the short story, and uh, turned into a novel. There's a few others too that I'm anxious for them to finish it, and I want to interview them as well because I loved their um, the short story and say so, I'm going to novelize it. I need to know more about that character. So, absolutely. plus my, my
1: plus my family loves when when I, we get all these books because they love to read. They're like, well, a bookworm would not even be a fair statement to them. I mean, they re, I mean, it's. I
2: remember the sandworm from Arrakis is more like it. Oh yeah, because I mean, so
1: you know, I just, I just met my wife. She goes in uh, Anne Rice's stuff was that, and the damn books like this thing. She goes, "Well, you get it for me." I said, "Yeah." And so I, I got the hard copies. I always like hard copies. I give it to her. She goes, "Well, you know, you're gonna have to go get this one." She, Why? I said, "Well, yes, I I she's already read it." I'm like, "What do you mean you already read it?" I was like, "Both." I was like, "Babe, you cannot have already read that book." We're talking like three, maybe four hours later. She's like, "Yeah, I'm done." she's like, "I need something else." So we ended up, we ended up having. Books. It, my house became like a little mini bookstore. I mean, there was books everywhere. Between what she was buying and the kids were bringing and the stuff we get from all the different writers and artists we talked to over the 25 years I've been doing this, there was just books everywhere. And they love to read. So anytime we get, matter of fact, Death of the Tax Man, he sent me a copy yesterday. Sitting on it was sitting on my table. I looked towards this morning. My daughter's got it in her room. She's reading it. She's That's like, a great um,
2: book. I really enjoyed
1: she, it. She's like, Yeah, I got it. I'm like, okay, okay, no, you can read it. Okay. I mean, it's eventually we'll give it away, but um, you know, unless it's autograph. If it's autographed, it goes somewhere up on, up here in one of the spots on the shelf. But if it's not, it goes mm-hmm. to uh it, we give it away somewhere doing it, doing the course Because this one actually we gave this one away last week on the show. And yeah. Uh, Yes, it's it's going up to somewhere in, um, oh, hell, I forget. Somewhere outside of Buffalo, New York is where it's going. And, uh, well,
2: of interest also is uh, Death and Tax Man is being released on tax day. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's it, a
1: good idea. Yeah, because it's a fun book. I mean, it was a fun story. So, I mean, so far, I mean, so all of these you see behind me from 30 to, to 39, I've read all of those. Plus, I think, I, I want to say in my book, Twenty four, twenty five. I think I'm on book twenty five. Uh, I got, I had picked up a. Uh, by the way, guys and girls, over at Galaxy Press, um, they got these little bundles you can get, and that's what I did. It was like a five book bundle. It was like, I think it was like twenty three to. Anyway, it's it, you you, when you go, you'll see them. So a, a couple of, them, it was about a year ago, I think I picked them up, and they were sitting over there, and I started reading them as I was running out of stuff to do. Well, I'm also listening to Mission Earth, so I think I'm on. Book six on that. Well, I got hung up. I couldn't listen to it for a while. A bunch of stuff went on. Then somebody stole my phone. Anyway, we're not getting into all of that. But so I had. I took a couple months break. But anyway, I'm back to it. So this is, this is always good stuff. But that's the thing here, and I like these because I'm getting old now. So when I read one of the anthologies, I come back like six months later. I don't remember what the hell I read. So I'm enjoying it again for the second time. And uh, this just really good stories. I mean, I gotta say the number one thing I like about all of these stories, regardless who was the author as there's no sex. I mean, whether there has, this is no hardcore sex. There's nothing to do with drugs or alcohol. Uh, there's no real heavy core violence. It's, um, and, and there's no cursing. And I got to tell you, I I really truly enjoy anything without cursing. I, I, I've always had this thing, even though I like to do it on Friday nights, it's my vent, but, um, (laughs) well, you know, I'm honest about it, but it's, um, I just I've always had this problem, but if you can't have a conversation for like two hours without having to use a curse word, well maybe you need to go revisit um what you've been doing. And on UFO on the cover is now what twenty six years old. I haven't cursed on that show not even one time. Not that's once. Good. Huh. And uh, and that's that's two hours each week for twenty six years. That's a lot of, that's a lot of time. And uh, but it it's a lot of fun. So I just, I just, I don't need to see it. And then I grew up in a different era. So a lot of the TV shows were goofy and stupid. There was no curse, no violence. They were very entertaining, but none of that stuff was there. And then as I got older, I guess it really, I guess it really came in hardcore somewhere in the nineties. Uh, it just seemed like we, we went to this. Okay. If we're not blowing stuff up and a lot of stuff, and a lot of people are getting shot up, even though there's not all that much blood. Even in some of the more horrifying ones, there's still not as much blood as it should be. It just got to be too much for me. I'm like, okay, it's enough of this. Because it seems like when I watch anything now, I just feel like I'm, I'm rehashing or rewatching just an, an alternate version of something else, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And at least with books, even though a lot of them will never become TV series or, or movies, at least it's a break there's something in there that's actually different than all the, the stuff that Netflix or Hulu or Marvel or Disney thinks that you need to be watching or seeing. Yeah. I need that. I need, I need, and, and that's one of the reasons I like meeting all of y'all in the first place is the fact that some of y'all are going to become these people that I'm hoping to see get out in there and, uh and really make some different, some different TV or some, some different anything. I don't care. At this place as long as it's different. I don't care. I'm begging, Spencer. I'm telling you, man. Uh, It's hard on me. It's it's just, you know. I I just. And your story has actually got a nice, kind of smooth, different kind of swing to it, which was nice. And then, uh, you know, I don't know when I first. Because the first time I caught it, I was reading it, and I, and I read it. I think I went through it too fast. And I, and I, and I even think I might have missed something. I'm like, what? So Because I was reading it on the airplane. I said, wait, wait, wait. What the hell? I, I thought I was reading a different story for a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, I missed like maybe a, something in the middle of the page or something. Because it, 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 then it actually made sense to me. I was like, oh, okay. Now I see what's going on. That happens, ladies and gentlemen, when you're not paying attention to what you're doing. Uh, and I'm bad. See, like we'll be talking, and sometimes I'll have a book over here when I'm working or something, so I'm reading as I'm working, or if I can get it in audio, I'll have it in audio playing because I love audio books. Yes. I'm a big fan of audiobooks. Yes, I am. I, I'll push yeah. them suckers all the time. And and I, I'm hoping Spencer will come out with like, you know, so wait, so. His story is this.
2: on audiobook too. Cause right. Yeah, oh, it, it's, oh, it's oh that's, right, that's right. Yeah, that's the, right. That's right. I it's it's forgot. Right. You got
1: on the audio book
2: too that you can listen to. Uh, so y'all or, heard
1: that guys book 39 is on audiobook, So you can right. go get it and mm-hmm. listen to it. And and see that that's just so much easier for me. Well, no, because I can't mm-hmm. read like my wife. My wife just reads like a demon. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. yes. I'm just mm-hmm. curious, yes. Pastor, How yes. much of
2: how much of your um, story d- came for was inspired or your work as as a paramedic? Because some of the st- some of the stuff that you had on on the body things that were happening and stuff in on hospital um, was more than just like reading a book or something to get your knowledge.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I would say that hmm, a fair amount of it, certainly I can see parallels or I can draw that from some of my experience. Now, like my, the
2: injuries, the injuries in there were kind of graphic. So like, how much of that yeah. kind of stuff have you actually experienced?
3: Some of it, not all of it. I mean, where I'm at, there aren't, isn't much, you know, there isn't much gun like shootings, whatever. I haven't done much of that grizzly stuff myself. It's more medical stuff as opposed to trauma where I'm at besides MVcs or ski accidents etc right what's it MPC no like uh, motor ve- motor vehicle collisions MVc oh, okay. sorry okay. that's it's a, it's what we say so but um but I find yeah like with most things I write a bit of the medical creeps into it just in terms of you know the specifics of, of what they're going through or maybe just subtle hints I guess at what might be going on with the patient right like it's never in-depth to the point where you have to actually really have a lot of knowledge about it but but unconsciously, it kind of creeps in there a bit. And I figure that adds a bit more depth and authenticity, I think, to it as well. It does.
2: Yeah. I mean, when the knife goes through his hand and he's held down to the top of the train or the shooting or his, the other guy's, you know, breaks, right, it's, 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 it's like, that's
0: something.
1: Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, back <laughs> to Godfather, man.
3: Just calm down, <laughs> Yeah. That went from zero to 100 real quick
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what happens yeah uh what is that claret what, what are you talking about oh no no indeed not she, she's saying, wait, she, you, you were telling her what you, you no. Know, so if you get sick, you want him to come pick you up is what you're saying. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell, what, I, I tell you what, I tell you what, you know, buy the book and I'll get him to autograph it for you. Yes. 39. It's, it's, it's right. Is it a future book? 39. Well, I can't get any pulling it out of there, but John's got a copy with him. Now, usually I got a copy laying around, but I think I gave, I might've gave all my copies away, man. I got to look and see. You were like threatening.
2: That. You never would do that.
1: No, not my, my, not my sign ones. They're somewhere else. They're probably, oh, they're they're over here. Some of them, and then some of okay. them behind there. No, those those won't get given away. No, no, no. What do you mean? You're gonna buy what? You're gonna buy what? Oh, you want to do like bring? No, <laughs> they want to do an auction on you, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not. Well, I tell you what. At the end of the show, I'll get him to give out his email, and y'all can email him, talk to him. <laughs> Oh Jesus! So I'm sorry. So, moving forward, are you going to do any like near um? What do they call? I always forget the damn name of this. Um, near now, science fiction. Near, what the hell, like college? Oh, near future. New, fear, new future. I don't know why I can't remember that. It's um, because look, man, I'd be your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just looking for something. So I need something that's um, it could be crazy outrageous, but. I need some realism in there somewhere, you know, something that something that binds it to to something more solid, I guess is what I'm saying. because um, mm-hmm. because I've been watching so much different stuff. I mean, it's like uh, when Alton when Alton Carbon came out, I was kind of enthused by at least the way the technology was going to run in it and and it was not that far in the future. The nudity was a bit much, but I mean, I I'm sure it worked well for all the people who are watching it, but it was uh it was a that was that that near future technology, and and I'm just looking because you can add any plot in there you want. I just wanted to try to keep it closer, maybe, you know, like you like what you did in this story, ten years, hundred years, you know, not not more than four or five hundred years out. You know, something that somehow or another the people here today can relate to it because they they recognize something or some type of technology or remnant still exists from what we live in today. Because you know, there's, there's certain series out there that you can see in a progression, like Expanse and Babylon. They pretty much show from here, where we are right now, to where they are. Uh, even though there's all kind of horrible stuff that goes on in between. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. It's it's a tough one. I guess it's one of those tough ones to write because I guess there's too much. Um, I guess technology falls into it too much. I guess mm-hmm. and, and you know then you get a bunch of technobabble about uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. See, that's why I can't be a writer. See what I just did. but I can't. I guess you can't put in a book. Uh, whatever. 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 Yada yada yada. <laughs> I don't think mm-hmm.
3: that's gonna sell mm-hmm. real well. So, so what was the? So the question was back to the question then was um, was whether I'm gonna write any like near future stuff? You were saying. Yeah, yeah. that's that's
1: that's just what I wanted to ask. You is is um, do you think? It, do you think it? It is. It, damn, I'm tongue tied today. Do you think it's a genre you can write in? Is what I was trying to ask you.
3: Uh, so besides the Children of Desolation and, and what I'm working on of that, yeah, I can see myself working on that. There, ha- I have written things before in that kind of time frame. I'm actually revising some, like a basically a series I wrote that's basically that, um, but I wrote it, you know, a few years before writing the story I wrote now. So it's a bit rougher around the edges. So I'm kind of combing through it and and kind of editing it. So that's about four or five books or so, and it kind of revolves around. Basically, yeah, a near future kind of thing, somewhat of a similar flavor to *The Children of Desolation*, but many different, much different though in many ways as well. So it is something that I write in, and it's something that I'm currently working on. Something that actually is in that too, as well. So,
1: that, that's uh, Stacy from Co- Quebec wrote in. She said, "Do you catch yourself sitting in the ambulance when you have nothing to do, just writing?"
3: And um, uh, no, 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 I don't bring my. I don't bring my laptop to work. If I'm at work, I'm probably doing flashcards on my phone for like medical stuff where I'm too busy, frankly. To, it's busy. It's busy out there.
1: That's thing. what I figured. I mean, I, I mean, a job like that, there's always something you got to be learning. There's always something going on. Uh, it, yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem to be one of those jobs you can just kind of hang out and say, oh, well, you know, I got an hour of free time now. But they'll find something you need to be learning, doing or being involved with. Uh, and that's what mm-hmm. I figured. But, you know, she put it up. There, so I, I went ahead and asked it. It's, yeah, um, no, I
3: appreciate it. Like writing is yeah. something I need to do where I know I'm not going to be interrupted as well, right? Whereas that kind of job, you're going to be interrupted all the time. Oh yeah. So if at most I'll have my Kobo out and I'll be reading some Brandon Sanderson, you know, while doing laps around the, the garage or something, right?
1: Yeah, so, yeah that works. Yeah. I mean, if it works, I mean, I noticed the only time I've been to write so far is when it's just completely quiet. It's just me and maybe mm, one whiskey sour ends at a win. Um, it seems mm-hmm. to work really well. It's uh It allows me to focus. I guess is what it is. Here, I'm. I'm just. There's always something going on. I, I mean, the studio's always busy. Uh, the other company's busy. It, it, there's always somebody wanting something. Family, friends, somebody's wanting something. Uh, it just. It's just too hard to sit down and get any real concentration going on. And, and if I do, it'll have to be in the middle of you know, like 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. or something. And then I'll be surprised if one of my chihuahuas don't come find me. It's, hey dad what are you doing let me get in your lap yeah come on let me get up on the keyboard with you I'll help you write and there goes a whole paragraph <laughs> just, just I don't say I don't know because I got, I got other friends who and I got I know other writers who sit and they can write nine to five five days a week I, I couldn't do, I, if somebody said I give you a million dollars I don't think I could do it um, it's it's just one of those things that uh, my attention span doesn't work that way
2: yeah I'm curious <laughs> on um so you're going to become you're coming from becoming an MD, and you've got how many years to go on that?
3: So I'm just in the basically in the first year of it right now, and yeah, it's a four so year be, program.
2: Four year, okay, good. So then so. after the end of four years, you're going to be a, a doctor. Is your goal to be able to use that so you can write really effective medical procedurals and be a best-selling author <laughs> selling? <laughs> um,
3: I mean, I don't really like to make an. You like won't an be American the first. Like, I certainly like whatever whatever I do bleeds into what I write, you know, and I'm open to that happening naturally, but it's not something I would force either. Right. I don't want to force anything like that. I'd rather write whatever is touching me and whatever interests me first and foremost. Right. Right. So whatever that might be, but, uh, but yeah, so for the whole medicine journey, I'm just giving it a go and seeing what happens, you know, Do
2: you have stuff waiting at the other end for you? Like because you've been so much already on paramedics there in Toronto, is it?
3: Uh, north of Toronto. It's, it's like there's a county called Simcoe that's about an hour north of Toronto. So okay. I'm more up that way.
2: Okay. So do you have something waiting for you too that once you become a doctor, then you can then automatically be upgraded to being something else or working somewhere else because of your connections already?
3: No, it, it doesn't really work like that. It, and it's tougher because I'm not in Canada doing it. So getting back into the country, a bit of a tough process. And they're making it easier, but you got to jump through some more red tape, some more hoops, etc. So if anything, I'm at a disadvantage going back to the country. And will your doctor, will
2: your certification in Ireland hold in Canada?
3: Yeah. Like it's like, you know, UK, Ireland, Australia, Canada, U S like, it's, well, all, it, it's, it's all, it's all very high. Or? Um, I'm not exactly sure, but the, the degree of like the quality of education is all, all very good. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's fairly sought after. And, no no one I know that's come here and done it has had issues going back and certified. It's okay. just a, a matter of, you know, matching or residencies and obviously domestic students get the priority versus international students. Right. And just the whole, you know, the right. way it's, it's, the way it's structured. Right. So.
1: But you go under-
2: back to Canada as a Canadian citizen though, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that's the thing. There's such a demand for that field. I mean, I- I mean, we're, look, we're importing people from all around the world. We're getting them from wherever we can. It doesn't even matter these days. In Asia, India, it just it's just a field that, you know, as our population grows in age, we need more and more and more and more and more people taking care of them. And over COVID, a lot of MDs retired. They mm-hmm. said, you know what? Blank, blank, this, and we're out of here. And uh, so it's, it's 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 definitely a money-making – one of the fields you can make good money in is definitely you can get some happiness out of it and – you know, bring some happiness to some other damn people. Eh, well, people, when you're sick, you want somebody who knows what they're doing, not somebody who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I tell people all the time doctors are like contractors. Some of them really know what you're doing. <laughs> so we're <laughs> just faking it as they go along, <clears throat> trying to learn as they go. Yeah, well, that's part of life. Um, but I don't think you'd have any problem getting a job. I really do got a, I got a good friend of mine who graduated nursing school. And uh, she, I, actually, first year, she couldn't get a job. And uh, she got a job uh, somewhere in Philly and and worked there for a year and got aggravated and went back to school because she went to be a nurse practitioner. And then I got aggravated again and decided she wanted to be a doctor. And while she's being a doctor, she wanted to get her Ph.D. and do it right. I'm like, what are you just
4: crazy?
1: And and now she was living in New York doing all that. Now she's out west. She lives. uh, I think she's in Seattle and uh, it might be Portland. She's just happy as pig and poop. She just loves it out there, and she's well sought after. She, she, with her credentials, any any ever any any hospital, any doctors, any residency, they're all just looking for people. Eventually, she's going to start her own. You know, she's just going to. I, I would bet she's just now hitting her 40s, So I would bet she's going to probably start her own probably next year or ten. Hmm. You know, so I just and she's telling me all the time people want You know, people are sending her. They start sending her stuff when they say, "Hey, you, you want a job? You want a job? You want a job? You want a job? You want a job?" And hell, I got nurse friends down here that are making a hundred thousand dollars a year. So uh, I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's it's. Uh, I know I know now, and it'd probably be true for you. They're doing stuff like offering you. So down here, they built this big, huge hospital complex. It's first we had two big training schools down here: Tulane and LSU and University. Actually, three. So they've all kind of melded together and just took over like ten blocks and made this monster, brand new hospital. And then you've got Oshner down who, who just basically decided to buy one whole highway and turn it into a hospital complex. So they're, of course, and they're opening these little sparling ones all over the place. So they're just, they're important doctors. So they're giving them a house, you know, uh, they get it, it included in their pay comes with a house. They can go pick the house they want in the neighborhood. They want, uh, they pay for all of that the whole time they're here. It's just, and uh, there's a concessions for food, uh, to help them get an automobile. It's just they, whatever they can do, because they're, they're competing with places like New York, LA, San Francisco, you know, overseas, because, you know, even places like London are looking for, yeah, it's just one of those things. You, you, and, and it's hard to even find, you know what? I was watching this thing the other day. They said it was even hard just to find um, ambulance drivers, not even techs, just drivers. I was like, Jesus, man, where's all these people going? Are we, all, are we all dying that fast we just can't keep up what the hell's going on
3: how so, do you
2: experience that spencer from your end what he's talking about there from from being on the actual service side the service provider side
3: it i'd say it's service dependent it really depends on like the morale of the people that work there right yeah so where i'm at for example like you know everyone there's making you know hundred hundred and ten thousand a year like we don't get paid badly there we we make we get paid pretty dang well and get good benefits the management's good like so in there even then even then though we still had a lot of staffing issues especially during covid and it's mainly more so than that the call volume right we're just getting more and more calls every year more and more demand every year but this the actual infrastructure and services don't grow to meet grow to meet that as well and you see that in everything right be it nursing and physicians especially family doctors because I'd say about oh, half my patients. I ask them if they have a family doctor, and they'll say no. I haven't had one for three or five years, and it's like, or, or they're on a waiting list for months and months and months. So it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty systematic or systemic issue, I would say for sure. Mm-hmm. Depending on the area, depending on how happy people are where they are, and there's a lot of economic reasons to it too, I suppose as well, yeah. like affordability yeah. or whatnot. too is what, your what is your goal to be general protection a GP, or what do you? Uh, do? Uh, i mean i i like i like emergency because that's what i've been doing so but i'm open good to at some, it Stay there <laughs> yeah <laughs> Not I, really, i, I wouldn't I mean, say i'm like extremely good at it like i'm i don't want to be I, I prefer to be uh, humble about that right like i i know some stuff and i could be better but uh that's the area that i've been exposed to and therefore i'm interested in but i'm also taking this just one day at a time too because it's a lot so we had
2: one of our our winners. I think it was even a grand prize winner. I forget this right now. About twenty years ago, he was a um, night shift um, emergency medical doctor. So he had he was in Chicago. So it was like the gruelest, most yeah, yeah. gnarly shift uh, in the hospital. And um, he wanted to be an author, but he couldn't make he couldn't cut it when he was younger. So he decided I'll go to med school instead. And um, <laughs> I so can't he, wait,
1: but I ain't going to med school. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, go
2: ahead. so he was ready, getting ready to retire, and I could tell it was a, he was a doctor because the story that I wrote, how he talked about different things, it was very obviously, you know, I've learned over the years and how to tell. You can usually tell somebody's profession in the story that they write, um, <clears> especially <throat> if they're medical at all, and because the way they describe stuff. But he was emergency room, and um, he said when I talked to him, you know, after winning, he was saying, "Yeah, you know, I've." i wanted to be a writer, an author, but I couldn't. So now after being for a while, I thought I'd approach it again. So it's John something or another. Maybe by the time we're done here, I'll remember it. But he, you use that into his storytelling and he's still writing. Um, I don't know if he's still practicing or not, but that was his whole thing. He, he got into that and it was very much a specialized and just it's amazing what you have to know and be able to respond because it's going to be all kinds of stuff that comes up you know in as emergencies especially mm-hmm. someplace in a big city like Chicago
3: yeah yeah there's always there's always stuff and, and no matter how good you are no matter how much you know there's always something that you won't know or there's yeah. something you will you'll have never seen before as well like I've had patients that have had very rare syndromes and any most of these patients that have these rare syndromes will tell me oh you know I told the doctor this I had the syndrome and the doctor said he had no he'd never heard of it before and you know what happens, right? Like you can't yeah. know everything, and you know our knowledge, like in every field, goes up exponentially nowadays, right? So keeping up is a difficult thing. So, well, there's always Doctor Google. Yes, <laughs> yes, man. That yeah, too good, like, uh, we, need, <laughs> we need to update Doctor Google, I think. Yeah, there are. Yeah, the WebMD, all that stuff. Nah, nah, I mean there are there are systems that doctors use, like here in Canada, for example, like UpToDate.com or things that physicians use that are all like vetted and you can get reliable information. So they do do that. Yeah. You got to look stuff up. You got to look up drugs. You got to well, look well, up. Hopefully conditions. you
1: don't get somebody like my sister. that got every weird disease there ever was. she had this thing called geographical tongue. And none of the, it took, I'm not kidding you, man. They must've went to like 25 doctors before somebody figured out what the hell it was. Then she had this thing that started on her ankle and went up her leg. And then that went about 25 doctors. Nobody could figure out what it was. I was like, it all, she just jinxed like that. None of it was life threatening. None of it ever killed her, you know, thank God. But she'd get stuff that people just, it was like it was her curse in this lifetime or something. And she still does. she's in her, what, her 40s now. She's still, mm-hmm. oh, no, hell, she's in her 50s now. Oh, than I say that out loud. I might get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that? I,
2: I go to Johns Hopkins because that has a lot of times that has good advice on different things. And yes. I've got,
0: well, see, I've got I'm, friends I'm too.
1: I got. I've got. A, I've got a good primary, uh, who she takes really good care of me. I've got a good cardiologist. I've got a good. Uh, I got a good guy who you know nose throat and whatever you want to call it doctor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm actually because what happened to me when I was 46, I had to go get a stent in my right artery. It was 98% clogged. So mm-hmm. at that point. I just woke up and said, Oh shit, I'm not immortal. I better actually start going to the doctor and seeing the doctor. And the funny part was, before I got the distant, my blood pressure was always perfect. After I got it, it went up uh, to, um, I think it was like uh, 88 over, like, I think it was like 136 or something. So boom, you say, Oh, well, you're going to get on blood pressure. I said, No, though, oh, yeah, you're getting on this now. And uh, so, but they all take good care of me. And every four years, I go take a stress test. I wonder, you know, when you get on a treadmill. Uh, every three is a you know what the other test that I don't want to talk about on air. <laughs> it's unpleasant. It's not really. That's unfair. with Doctor
2: Dover, Dover right? Doctor Dover. Dr. Yeah, doctor. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's what it was. But oh. but I mean, actually, I, I've got okay. I've got a good I've got a good doctor that does that too. I didn't. The first time I didn't even know. I was like, "What really It's over?" He's like, "Yeah, you're good." I said, "Like, oh shit, okay, well that's good to know." <laughs> anyway, people, we don't we don't want to freak y'all out, but but now I've been real lucky so far, and then um, I got a good dermatologist, which I got lucky with cause I had skin cancer in my nose and uh, he hooked me up with a good surgeon uh, that took real good care of it. So, uh, so people, I'm just, you know, when I was young, I never went to the doctor. I'm just honest with y'all. I go see my doctor. I see my primary every seven months and she does blood work every time she sees me. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I, the cardiologist, I see every two to three years, same thing with the rest of them. As long as nothing's going weird, they don't want to see me uh, But every couple of years just to check me out. The, cool. Yeah, That's so good. it it works it works good, and then you know we need you around for a while longer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not through harassing no. people. I'm not going. Exactly. I, I, I've got plenty exactly. proof. I just you know we might have World War III going on. So wait. And then I was talking. Who was it the other night? Who wrote, who wrote about weird World War III? I was like, I said, man, you might have to rewrite this book. <laughs> you might have something to write about. It. Wasn't that Sean? Uh, was it Sean who wrote? Yeah, it is Sean. Yeah. It? He, yeah, Mr. Tango. yeah, yeah, Mr. Yeah, was Sean? Oh, by the way, Sean's with us, guys. He starts. February 4th 90. on Sunday. I thought, oh, it's 4th. Okay. He said 4th last night. Well, let me, let me check. We got the calendar here in front of me. Let me make sure. And I'm not giving you all bogus information. No, it is not the 4th. It is the 7th. I'm sorry. Uh, he starts on uh, January 7th and he comes in, I think. At, uh, I want to say it's 9 p.m. Well, it's early for him because he's a West coaster. So it's going to be 7 his time. But I think it's 9 to 11. Uh, so, so it's he's, on
2: Wednesday night then.
1: No, no, it's on Sunday. It follows. Uh, it's chasing prophecies first uh, well, into the Monday night. Is back either the, it's
2: either the fourth or the
1: eleventh? Then oh wait, then I'm on the wrong. It is the fourth. Then what am I in the wrong? Mo- oh, I am in the wrong month. Never mind, guys. I'm still in January. Shit. Yes, yeah, the fourth. Then okay. he said the fourth last night. So um, y'all, y'all can catch him out. He's a week away. You go check him out. He's on. He comes with us on Sundays night. He hang. I mean, on Friday nights he's with us too. And uh, you know, I tell all the hosts, and I tell a lot of the guests who come on. You know. Friday nights an open show. All we're talking about is uh, politics, mostly. Well, it's not even politics. It's more like current events would be a better way of saying it. Because uh, we don't, we don't get, we don't, we don't really get into politics ever too much. Well, usually it's something like, oh, you did you see what that dumbass did or what that dumbass did or doesn't matter what party they're in. <laughs> they're just all about the same to us. So it's it's fun. we call it fair game Friday really because we 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 pick on everybody indiscriminately. Um, Joe's a little easier because you know. He's got issues, and uh, and and of course Trump's easy because he's always into some shit. So they're, they're, that's the two easiest people to pick on, right there. Uh, between the two of them, they could take up an hour of a show. We try not to let them do that, but they could.
2: Well, since we got Canada here too, you always have uh, Mr. Pink oh, yeah. Shorts up there too.
1: Yeah, so, well, you know, you know, well, and, yeah, you got you got you got Trippy Trudeau, Mr. Pink Shorts, as I like to call him. Uh, I actually, I'm not kidding y'all. <clears throat> this is a true story. So. About three years ago, I met uh, the Outer Realm, Michelle De Roche and Amelia Pisano, and they host the Outer Realm. And they one lives in Niagara Falls, and one lives in was it Quebec or, or Ontario, whichever one is closest area, to yeah. Niagara. Yeah, yeah. whichever. Yeah, I was going to say which. Anyway, so um, she had told me about all this shit about Trudeau, and then she, they said, you know, he could actually be Castro's son. I was like, really? So I checked in all of that, and while I was checking into it, I catch him in his jogging outfit with these really tight, hot pink shorts on. And his pink shirt, and I'm sure this is for like breast cancer awareness month or something. But dude, you're a world leader; you should not be running around in pink shorts. I'm just saying. You know, it's fine if you're just some ordinary Joe out there, but no, it is. And it was just—it was too funny, and it just stuck in my head. So after that, he became Mr. Pink Shorts, and now he's uh, Mr. Turdhead because somebody's been posting memes all over the U.S. and Canada. They got him in the toilet saying, uh, how "How do you get rid of a turd that won't flush?" I mean, the guy just can't get any respect, and and uh, I don't know him well enough to even hate on him. I, I let the girls, but no, we have seven Canadian hosts in the network, and not one of them like him. Uh, they all dislike him. So, and they're all yeah. different walks and realms of life, even different politics. It's it's kind of strange to really.
2: Yeah. But one thing I'm curious about Spencer is, so you've been doing you've been a, a paramedic for a while. What's your what's your best miracle story or something where you've thought like you obviously you're, you're have a desire to help. And so the one that you felt the most satisfaction of actually helping somebody, you don't have to say actual names, but just what incident for you has been the most like rewarding that you've been able to do yourself?
3: Hmm. I mean, let me think about that. I mean, it like there it, have to be something. Yeah. Like there's a few things come to mind. Like, you know, I haven't like, you know, Done anything cra- crazy, flashy stuff? It's not like in the, the movies or the TV shows, you know. It's, it's usually mostly not. Pretty, It's mostly pretty relaxed <clears throat> and, and nothing too crazy. But you know, like childbirths are always interesting, and I've done a few. And it's pretty, it's pretty rare to actually do them around where I'm at. Right, you got to be pretty lucky to get a few. So, so I delivered a delivered a baby boy on my own. Like I didn't have any backup. I was on my own that day in a in an SUV. So. Uh, And this, this lady who was, you know, she'd been having contractions for several hours and it was imminent. So they called 911 and I was just around the corner in the like the rapid response SUV we use. So I got there first and the actual ambulance and backup was about 20, maybe 30 minutes away. So a bit of time on my own there. So I got to basically deliver the baby on my own, you know, treat the kid, make sure he was okay, get everything all nice and packaged up and all that jazz. Right. And. You know, so that whole process—it was scary as heck because I—I had never done one on my own before. So wow, I was—that's cool. I'm like, I'm like, hope I hope to God it's not a nuclear core. I hope I don't have to <laughs> the kid. I hope, I hope the baby's like, you know, screaming when he comes out, and I don't Just have to. hope you know, it
1: pops out, right? Wait, well, hey, that's It was, you know,
3: it was, uh, it was, but it was an uncomplicated birth, and I'm—I won't go into the details of it, but everything went well, and and those feel good afterwards because you yeah. did something and to be honest, I didn't need to be there. Like the kid didn't need to be saved. Like it's a physiological process that's been going on for ages. And right. the mom, does yeah. the mom does all the work. I'm just there to make sure that if something goes wrong, you know, I yeah, can it step out. in. Right. But, but really, it's, was uh, she
2: by herself? Not with, not with the partner or anything? Oh,
3: the whole family was there. Oh, okay. Was party, but <laughs> oh, <good>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no pressure, man. No pressure. <laughs>
1: I was, the, I
3: was the most anxious person there. Everyone else oh, was bad. pretty relaxed. Cause they'd seen it happen before, but I was, I was the newbie there as it were. Mm. So, uh, but those are satisfying. And yeah, other kind like a lot of these kind of calls we do, you don't get to see what happens, right. Cause you're only with the patient for a short period of time. So I'd say the other ones where I feel like, you know, you did something is maybe you, you go into an anaphylactic shock one and you, and you can administer meds right away and turn them around, you know, uh-huh. have of those or uh, myocardial infarctions, heart attacks. Right. Like we can diagnose those in the field, like you know, with with our monitors, right? And yeah. Determine if it's a stemming or not, and then we can go right to the uh, to the um, PCI center and and have them put the put the uh, NGO and do the stents and everything within like an hour or less of us seeing yeah, the patient, right? Amazing, so have, we you get, to, have you ever
2: had have you ever had to use the epinephrine and stuff like that straight into the heart and that type of stuff? We
3: don't do it straight into the heart. No, it's it's intramuscular. It's oh, intramuscular.
2: really? Back when I used to know about, my dad had that kind of stuff, and back yeah, everything's, then, was everything's back gotten in pretty the, advanced these days. That was back in the '70s. It was different then.
3: Yeah, a lot of a lot of things have changed, especially with like resuscitation over the last few decades. Like how we run cardiac arrests, for example, we do give epinephrine, but it's intravenous in cardiac uh, arrests, and it's yeah. diluted more so than than regular epinephrine as well. It's one in ten thousand versus one in one thousand so yeah because somebody realized oh the shit we no don't
1: need
2: it yeah if we don't need that's that, that.
1: So. and
2: then cpr has changed too someone told me that oh, it's no longer breathing in the mouth type is that for for public maybe not for you because you have your you have your gas your face mask pump but how that's changed i i don't
3: you know i i tend to like i just keep track of the the healthcare like the healthcare side of it like i'm always doing ventilations because what we have our bvms and we can intubate and do all that stuff. So, but I have heard from people that have done, you know, uh, like simple first aid courses in the public that they were told that, yeah, just, just compressions and no ventilation. So I've yeah. seen that creep in a bit. I'm not sure what the official guidelines are for, for the public though. I just go by yeah. the, the, uh, the heart and stroke and the, yeah, you know, the, all that Yeah, with, with
2: cooties know. getting worse and worse these days, I guess, it's, you know, that, I guess that, it was,
3: I guess it was COVID related. Like they were all like, yeah. stay away from that and just do compressions. And it, it's yeah. it's true. It's It's, it's understandable because the big thing that turns it around is good compressions and early defibrillation those are the two big things right uh-huh. that uh, that are predictors of a favorable outcome so yeah, man, I ideally well. obviously prioritize compressions yeah. so because it. you, you have matter. a certain amount of oxygen in your blood right like even yeah. when you drop you still have some dissolved and in, bound to your red blood cells right so it takes a bit of time for that to dissipate but you need flow and perfusion so unless of course it's a a cardiac arrest that happened because you ran out of oxygen, then it's a different story, but let's not get into that.
2: Okay, but good. That's yeah, a whole different story, yeah. Unless it's a story that you've written, in which case mm-hmm. we can talk about that, but otherwise, yes. okay, good. It's uh,
1: yeah, well, yeah. you know, it's 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 crazy. I mean, one of the first things we learned in, in, in the Navy was how to resuscitate someone, and, and believe it or not, they taught us childbirth. I was freaking amazed. We were sitting in it, really? <laughs> yeah, well, like this female uh nurse comes out with a baby, and we're like, what the hell. And, uh, and then I get this video and they're just running us through it. And then I'm like, "And why are we learning this? So I didn't know this in the military, but it is a one in 25 chance when you're in the field that you're going to deliver a baby.
0: Really? Uh,
1: yeah. They, they say it all the time. They said, when this combat situation is going on, they said a lot of times that the combat itself brings on birth. And a lot of times it's an early birth mm, um, yeah. because For I guess sure. it's a fear factor. So I just didn't realize, I didn't, I guess I never really thought about it. How much of what goes on in the world as far as what we're fighting with is so close to where people live, which I should realize because I was in a service, but for some reason, I guess because it doesn't happen here, it doesn't really set in my head you know, mm-hmm. I don't really think about people going through your neighborhood, like what's going on in Israel right now. I don't really think about that. And I could see with that kind of stuff going on, I could see people, you bam, you know, going into labor or early labor. So yeah, they actually taught us that They actually even showed us how to uh, slow down birth and you know, all kind of stuff. And I was like, really? I said, we're not a he said, no, you're not a doctor. You're just a dumbass. <laughs> just pay attention. But they did teach us a lot. And, um, and mm-hmm. it, it was, it was, it's was a good course. And You know, for anybody coming out of service, as far as I know, all service people know CPR or at least basic CPR. And some have a little more advanced courses, but they do teach you that. And then for some reason, every now and then, in every four companies, I guess they pick two guys to guess they're going to be – they're just like advanced in it. they you can't really call them anything. They're just they just know a little bit more than everybody else does about it to try to help like you know treat wounds and stuff like that in the field. But they're not they're not officially anybody. It's just something to help those companies survive until somebody gets there from you know that's wearing a red bra red red star cross cross yeah. and uh, so it's it's but they do teach other and in the navy it's different because they teach you stuff like how to deal with fires on ship how to treat burns. You learn that in just regular boot camp. It's just stuff you learn in boot camp, Uh, because unfortunately, come to find out, it happens a lot, (laughs) a lot more than we hear about in public life. I know on the Nimitz, there was at least seven fires when I was on board, and thank God, none of them were around ammo or fuel. Uh, But it, I mean, you're working with flammable materials all day long, so somebody, you know, there's always some little 18-year-old dumb butt (laughs) that makes a boo-boo, and sometimes it's an old dumb butt that makes a boo-boo. But anyway. It, it is stuff they want you to learn. I was surprised. I learned a lot. Most of it, I've probably forgotten now because I'm old. But um, basic CPR, I think I still remember pretty well. And a few other things. Um, you know what? Now I did help somebody one time. Uh, they were having a heart attack. You know what I did? I didn't. I didn't. I, I took a nitro pill and put it on in my finger and stuck it under his tongue right there, and he revived in about all of about ten seconds. <laughs> The doctor said, you didn't give him CPR? I said, no, but I happened to have, I was right up there at the stint. I said, I happened to have a bottle of those nitro pills that gave me to carry them around for the first six months. I think he gave them to me more to make me feel better than to use them. Because he told me once I got the stint, he said, you're back to normal. Get the hell out of my office. Don't come back and see me for four or five years. Ain't nothing wrong with you. He said, you got 100% blood flow. Go away. <laughs> I'm kidding. You. That's just how he told me, too. I'm like, doc, he said, I said me. You just put stuff in my heart. He said, he said, it's a different world now, Joe. Go on. You I said, "When can I go back to work?" He said, "Tomorrow." I'm like, "Really?" I said, You're "In a hospital." I said, "Yeah, I'm in a hospital for four days trying to figure out what's wrong me." And then you could, I said, yeah, you can give me a week." He said, "No, you can go back to work tomorrow." I was like, "I wanted to kick you, man. I really did." But it is different. I mean, um, I see my mom got three, and my aunt got two, and then they they all were back working within two or three days. I was like, "It's definitely a marvel." Because I know my grandfather eventually heart attacks killed him; he'd still be alive. They'd have been stents back then. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, people. Science just keeps growing. Things keep getting better. Eventually, they'll have a cure for cancer, and we'll all live to be two hundred.
2: It's funny when I had because uh, I do my my medical checkups too, and I had my last one I had when they were doing ultrasounds all over my body to check it, and she was doing my my throat for my crush. She was like, "Nice looking carotids." <laughs> I was like, that's, that's a good. That's a good compliment. Yeah. That's
3: a good compliment. <laughs> nice and
2: clear,
3: no yeah. plaque up there. Yeah. That's
2: yeah. Like It was funny, just like you hear, you know, nice looking. You don't normally think it's going to be an internal body organ, but there we go.
1: I I, I remember the last checkup I got with my, uh, when I last stress I did with my doctor, he goes, he said, well, you, you're good on a stress test. He said, the girl said, you were just jogging along. I said, yeah. I said, I can, I can probably jog for seven or eight minutes without killing myself. He started laughing. And, uh, so he calls me the next day. Well, nurse calls me the next day. Doctor wants to talk to him. I'm like, oh shit, something came back. I didn't like. He said, "I just." He said, "I never get this." I wanted to tell you. He said, "All of your blood work is right in the middle where it's supposed to be." He said, "I ain't seen this in a decade." I, I called you personally. <laughs> I'm like, doc, don't be doing. It. I thought I was freaking dying or something, man. Because usually when everything's right, I'll get a call from the nurse. You're good. Don't worry about it. You know, something like that. And I, I don't hear from the doctor. So when he said that, I was like, uh oh, uh oh, I don't. It was nice to hear, though. Yeah.
2: yeah. So now, Spencer, so on your writing, um, so you have you always been writing? Is this something you started as a kid in elementary school and up through junior high, or is it something that came up later on as an outlet for you to vent offsetting your medical stuff that you do?
3: So the writing, it wasn't something I always did. Like, I'd say reading preceded, preceded the writing itself. Yeah. Like, I've been, I was reading, uh, you know, ever since early elementary school, and I was reading, you know, Terry Brooks, for example. I was reading all of his stuff in the Bulgaria in the grade... is one
2: of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, reading all... books. That wasn't that. Sorry, that's another one that was editing, but anyway, sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was
3: like reading all of his books in like grade six, seven, eight, like you know, before even getting out of elementary school. So, my mom had a big collection of, of fantasy novels, right? So, I was tearing yeah. through that. So. I wrote two things in high school, but it was just for like English assignments, right? In English class. So just wrote two things for that, but in, yeah, it was okay. I kind of had fun with it. And it wasn't until really university that I started picking up writing as a, you know, as basically as a hobby race at first, right? I had some ideas and, you know, maybe some of my, my favorite authors at the time wrote some stories, but finished, they finished their series in a way that made me angry. I'm like, ah, oh, I want to write something that I want to write something of my own and, and you know, and decide the ending for myself or whatever. And
4: yeah.
3: so kind of started from there, just, you know, writing whatever came to mind. And I wrote a few long things. I wrote a bunch of short stories, whatever. And then I eventually got into the contest there and just started submitting, I think in 2017, I think is when I started, I think, a- or 18, yeah. one of those years, yeah. I just started. No, that's, away at
1: that, it That's pretty quick. I mean, four stories a year, or just once or twice a year. I'm always curious. See, this is the thing with me. I've been, since I, since I've started hanging out with these guys, I've been tracking there, how old everybody is and when people are winning. And it's actually starting to look kind of strange to me. So, so wait, for, well, no, we'll, we'll talk about it. But I mean, so, you know, four times, eight times, 12 times, 16 times, I'm just going four times a year is what I'm doing. So, um, because a, a lot of people, when I talk to them, they're around their fourteenth attempt when they win now. don't get me wrong, I've been, met quite a few who have won uno number one oh and way down uno n- number you know way down the line, but uh you know who's the longest I think I've met Preston Dennett was the longest I think I've met with uh forty two times some that yeah, yeah, yeah hmm. that's you know so but he's a he he writes i mean he he's he writes all the time he's constantly writing something so uh, it's kind of different. So, how many? You remember how many times it took you? A dozen?
3: I didn't submit every time each year. I think it was maybe. I'm trying to count like all the honorable mentions and silvers and and uh, and reject and like rejection ones. The I ones mean, maybe said,
1: please don't write back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
3: just teasing. I'm just, I'm just,
1: I'm, they would never do that. I would, yeah. but they wouldn't. Yeah. I'd be like, please don't write I, back. <laughs>
3: I'm not sure. I'd have to actually check my profile, but yeah, it was, it not, was like around six, like nine or 10. Well, um,
1: yeah. I yeah. That's, it. that's getting closer to the average. Yeah. I'm just, it's just something, you know, cause uh, I, when I started asking people ages and I started asking people um, how many times it just seemed to be, there seemed to be the majority of them seemed to fall in this little group, uh, which surprised me. Um you know, and it, it didn't really surprise me that the illustrators are younger and the authors are a little older. That that didn't surprise me as much because, you know, a lot of the illustrators seem to be under thirty, a lot of the authors seem to be over thirty. But it's, uh, I don't think it really matters. It just seems to be when they hit the lucky one might be the best thing to say. I, I don't, or maybe well, David Hendrickson,
2: finally, who won this fine um, this here, he just turned seventy. Yeah. So we've had all time, and then we had a winner from several years ago uh, who was really happy because he was presented by Nancy Cartwright on the stage. He was like 73. And so he said, my grandkids are going to be really happy to see, you know, they're going to be like, you're going to think, yeah, I'm, think I'm cool.
1: Um, I, I then we have somebody like 68 or 69. year Maybe the first year I was, I, I, I get confused, but it's um, well, 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 the first year I was with them guys, they were coming back from COVID. So they had, they doubled up. They had yeah. uh, two years worth of winners. Oh, I had a blast. It, Cause it was just so many people that talked to, talk to. everywhere. It's like, you know, rats running around catching them. Up now, now, cool now I'm just teasing. <laughs> it's a, um, so, Oh, why we got you though. Cause I asked this to everybody. I probably asked you this before, but, um, you know, we talk about the 24 hour story and, uh, and the reason I asked is one, I, first off, it's one of my favorite things because I get to watch. you thank God I ain't doing it. I wouldn't have any hair left in my head. The little bit. I got now and I'll be gone. Um, but I enjoy watching it, and, and it always surprises me, to be totally honest, the quality of the stories that come out of this. I got to be honest about that because, I, you know, let's be honest. You're writing something in 24 hours. I figure most of it's going to be just goofball kind of goofy stuff. But I, I find that a lot of it actually turns out to be good stories that even goes on later on to be turned into something else. So for you, Process, I mean, were you like one of the ones that waited till four hours <laughs> Before, i just wrote the story, or did you agonize over it, or you just said, okay, I, I got this under control, or
3: because I'm really so curious. I, I started out with a like with one idea, and I got part way through that, and then it just fell apart around maybe ten o'clock at night, and I'm like, this isn't. I'm not going <laughs> to. Basically, it snowballed where I'm like, this is going to be like twenty or thirty thousand words. I can't finish this on time. So I I actually had a second idea that I that I flipped onto in. Yeah, I basically uh panic wrote it for until maybe two or two in the morning or so. But so it was a bit a bit chaotic at, at first, I would say. Yeah. Like I started out with an idea that I liked and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then it kind of fell flat and I didn't have time to really play around with it and make it work, right? Because the clock was ticking. So yeah, I yeah, just went on with the, I went with a lighter a lighter idea that I could get done faster and just basically just sat punched over in the hotel room in the darkness while my uh uh, oh my! The artist who was in my room just trying to get sleep, and I was like hunched in the corner, like a gremlin, working on the laptop, trying to get it done. So, but I yeah, finished it. Are, it, was, it, yeah. Was yeah, did, yeah. it was satisfying to get it done.
1: Yeah, there's, sure. a, there's there's a few people told me that, and there's a couple told me they had gone through three ideas, and it was four in the morning. They were like, "Oh, shit! What am I gonna do?" <laughs> uh, people, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, if if y'all win, people, and you get invited, you'll know what we're talking about. Because I always talk yeah. about this kind of half heartedly because I, I like the audience to kind of guess what we're actually still talking about. But um, it, it, is, it is amazing to watch. Uh, I just started, matter of fact, yesterday I just started posting pictures for the last three years of uh, that particular night I was going through. I was going, I, I um, uh, my phone got stolen, but thank God I had uh, online storage because I found most of it was still online the other day when I went and jumped into it. So <laughs> I've been great. actually playing with it and, and putting it up there. And of course, I've got, you know, Great pictures of some of the people who worked there, so we're gonna post those.
2: Moving on, okay. So now (laughs) (laughs) Spencer, John, what do you mean? You always look good. One of the best pictures I took
1: was of John. I I, I probably got his next profile picture last time I was there. It's uh, what's
2: your favorite? What was your favorite part of the workshop? Or actually, um, the workshop consists of several essays that were written by Owen Hubbard in the 30s and 40s that were then converted and made into the workshop by Algis Budrys originally, and now taught by uh, Tim and Jody so what was your any particular essay that was your favorite
3: mm, a lot of them are very you know very applicable right like very just practical and down to yeah. on the process i liked his one that was you know about the elements of the story right the building blocks of it of, of like the components of a short story right just to give you a it's a great starting point right yeah uh, the one i really liked was um i forgot what he titled it but it was the one where he was describing two, like he was showing two different ways of writing a scene i think it was the one where the guy was sneaking. One suspense, the... the one on yeah, the suspense yeah. one, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was like, and he was contrasting the you know the flat, non-exciting prose that was you know you didn't feel into it, and then he showed the other one, which you were you, you,
4: Yeah,
3: you you felt <laughs> it, you were in it, and it was a great, uh, basically a little mini workshop in itself of this is how you, you know, this great is writing suspense, that yeah. that doesn't create like whatever whatever feeling you want suspense you know excitement fear whatever. Like this, this here doesn't create an emotional response in the reader, but this, this here grips you, right? And yeah, and trying to look at, okay, how does that work, etc. So
2: yeah, and these are essays that that um, Spencer's talking about. They're on the free online writing workshop, which is there mm-hmm. at writersoffuture.com. And when winners go now to the workshop, they're expected to finish that course. So now they're going to get the next level up of really how that stuff applies, how it works, and everybody is given a copy of the book Fear to Read, which is one of Owen um, Hubbard's stories that he wrote in 40, maybe it was 1940, which was considered by several of the, of the greats as uh, the granddaddy of, uh, of modern psychological thrillers. But now you get into how to, how to make a living as an author. That's what the workshop now is. How do you actually, yeah. how do you make it a, as an author? And what do you do? Um, the business of writing, which is never addressed anywhere else. So that's something that's that's really important that a person gets. So, what was your bi- what was your biggest take home after doing that week long workshop?
3: Whew, like that's a tough question. Like you mean just the whole thing? Like the biggest take home there? Yeah. Oh, that's that is very tough. That's
2: unfair. Okay, so what are some of the things that stay up that bubble up when I ask the question? Then.
3: Hmm. So, like one of the one of the big things is, I guess. Hmm, like Mr. Sawyer, for example, uh, uh, Sawyer was 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 great, right? His uh, his whole spiel, you know, he was all about, you know, these are all different approaches to writing. Like all the different coaches and, and mentors are all sharing their knowledge and experience with us. But he was mm-hmm. also, you know, very clear that, you know, these are all different ways of doing it, and you pick and choose what works for you, what creates right. the results for you as well. That there's no there's no one perfect way to write. It's a a very varied and multifaceted thing. And and you need to find what works specifically for you. And everyone has a unique combination of those things. So it's a very much a journey in itself, discovering how to create that harmony with that creativity in yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just be, I can't be Stephen King. I can't be, you know, uh, Mr. Sawyer. I can't be any, like you know, I can't be any of these people, but I can be me and discovering from all these tools and all these things I learned from these other people, you know, what's the unique amalgamation of all this stuff that makes me a better writer, but not an imitator of anyone else, but myself. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I really liked, I really liked his talk and, you know, there's, I have a big word document with all, all these notes from all the different uh, all the different workshops and it's just a, a pile of stuff, but it's hard to, to pick for really what, what hit me the most there, but, but really the, the soul of it is is to create your own journey as a writer and all the lessons from all the people that came before you, can be part of that as well yeah so it's it's cool that way
2: it's, that's good cool. and then i know joe yes one time a year he gets to wear his fancy tuxedo that he that he bought for All us. right so well, what'd you, yet, what I was yet. the gala like for you so i mean joe has he's definitely has this but what was it like for you that the the hollywood bash
3: oh that was time? that was incredible yeah that was i've never done anything like that needless to say that was incredible um well, wow. another thing I don't know where to start with, right? Like just the whole mm. experience of you know getting the tuxedo and going there with all your new friends, frankly, right? All the writers, you know, and going through that together. And yeah, lots the, of press uh, the, there. Yeah, lots, press, lots of press. The, the performances, the 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 actual venue was was gorgeous as well, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, just going through the whole, all the speeches and the awards. And I also had one of my best friends there too. He was he's from Canada, but he moved to San Diego. And he and his girlfriend managed to come down and, and come sit at my table too. So that was really nice. You know, yeah. we grew up other side of the continent and we're both here for, you know, small world. Right. So it was just a great experience. Just everything about it was great. So,
1: so let me ask you this. I I've asked this to every, everybody who's, who's been there. So when your name, when you, you're set, cause you know, you're sitting at your table, you're watching everybody when you, I know y'all, y'all rehearse and practice, but so mm-hmm. when your name, when you heard your name, just bam, I mean, what was the instant what was the thought? Okay, I'm just jump up, I'm gonna stand up, walk up. Was it just like an exhilaration of emotion? I'm just I'm just nosy because it's just one of these things. Being in the media myself, I'm always curious how people react to stuff.
3: Uh, uh there was a, a fair amount of, of stress, I would say. <laughs> There's always a little ass of that. Don't 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 screw this up. Don't embarrass, <laughs> don't, don't trip over the stairs going up, right? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but I'd say it was a mix of, you know, a bit of consternation anxiety because like well i've never been on a stage in front of all these all this these cameras and stuff right but also there was yeah just exhilaration and you know a lot of dopamine going around right a lot of dopamine going around <laughs> yeah. and some, in some you know some adrenaline too for me yes. to say so joy mixed like excitement and joy mixed with a bit of terror as well because well Anytime you step way outside your comfort zone, which that was certainly the case, you kind of feel that. But afterwards, it felt great, especially when I was done it. I was like, wow, that was cool. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Looking good, looking sharp. I know. I, I, it's one of those things that, you know, when you see people standing, because sometimes, when I'm watching, I watch people, when they stand up and oh, are they going to make it? They look a little <laughs> wobbly when they first start. Uh, but everybody seemed to just, you know, everybody seemed to puff up and, and do it. And everybody seemed to do a good job up on it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're standing there, you're staring at all the rest of us. We're all staring at you. So, you know, it's 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 one of those things, you know, the emotions are just running all over you. What's that, mm-hmm. Denise? Actually, you want to see him on the gate? No, it's available. It's available on, uh, on our sites and it's available on – YouTube. On Gauss, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right as yeah, on on the Writers of yeah. future
2: page
1: on. Yeah. yeah. So you can get yeah. it on Writers as a future your, your YouTube or you can get on UPRN's YouTube. Yeah. It's on both of them. Yeah. You can find it there. Yeah. It's yeah, posted. The whole gal- thing. The whole thing, yeah. the whole yeah. thing start to finishes up there. Yeah. No, no. it. We carry it live when they're doing it. Yeah. We always carry it live. And this year it's actually been advertised quite a bit more. So I'm, I'm expecting a lot, much larger audience.
3: I, I look forward to seeing it this year too. And yeah. to see yeah. um, uh, the artist who did my story, Alexandra. I, I look forward yes, to seeing, cause yes, she'll, yes. cause she'll get her award this year. Right. Like she'll yeah. be able to, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm going to watch it. I'll, and, when we do the co-
2: and when we do the, the, um, the, the, big reveal, the the art reveal to all the authors, even though you've already seen it, we'll work out a FaceTime or something like that. So she, you can meet her and you know, or did you already do that last year? Did you FaceTime her last year?
3: Not at the gala itself, but afterwards, like I've been in touch with her and we've, we've, uh, we have like chatted on, on social media and then we did like a, a Skype call and stuff too. So, but it would be cool anyway, though, if, if we could yeah. make it work.
2: Yeah, absolutely we can. And then uh, just so you know, too, on one March, this one March, we're doing the cover reveal for volume 40. We're really ramping up on this one because four decades of of doing this. We're mm-hmm. just shy of a thousand winners over the last 40 years. And mm-hmm. um, so Dan Dos Santos painted the cover. So we're really anxious to be able to uh, do that. Oh, I
1: can't wait to see it.
2: Yeah, it's it's an amazing piece of art that he did. Because he, uh, he he was harassing Tom Wood, you know that right? He said my cover's gonna be better than your cover. <laughs> <laughs> You'd
1: have to be there, guys. These guys are friends, so don't y'all don't take it personal. Yeah. It's uh, No, but he's
2: like Daniel Santos is is an amazing artist. He's he just was just the uh who what is it Marvel that does the Spider Man and all that stuff? Is that Marvel or No, it originally was DC. I don't know what it is right now. Maybe it's DC then. But he just did all the um, a a whole series of playing cards, um, like 150 pieces have already created, and there's some special books for it. He just did. He was their their artist for the year, and just really he was working on it for like two or three years, making doing all these paintings, and it finally launched um, earlier this year. I couldn't get him as a cover artist before because he was just committed. He had these deadlines to make on this. On his projects, which he couldn't talk about, but then when it released, he felt okay. Good, now I can do a cover. Yeah, but he's he's amazing.
1: Yeah, because yeah, uh, what was that, Chris? No, yes. Originally it was DC, then I think Disney bought it, and then Disney bought Marvel, so now it's Marvel. Uh, yeah, yeah don't, it no is Marvel. Me. Yeah, it's it's Marvel for sure now because our last uh, last two Marvel movies he was actually in them. So okay, um, I'm
2: curious, that Spencer. Have you been to Emma Caffrey's uh, ranch that she had? Have you, have you been there or seen it in Ireland? Uh,
3: mccaffrey no i don't think so
2: no. anyway she is, she was she used to be a judge she is a very was a very famous fantasy artist and she was one of the one of the women that actually made the major strides into the female entry into science fiction fantasy as an author really yeah she gave yeah. a judge in volume two so she was the second year and she gave as um uh, um greg benford who just wrote an essay because he's the founding judge she said uh she made the difference in it being a bunch, the judges being a bunch of old white stodgy men, you know, as, as judges. When she <laughs> well, that's came true in, back she then. Came that's true back
1: then. Yeah, that's true back then. She was amazing. Uh, yeah. What do you mean? Oh no, um, who is it? That's her son, Tim. Yeah. We. Uh, um, Todd. I'm, Todd, I'm Todd McCaffrey. Yeah. Todd. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually met him a few times. Actually, yes. He's 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 as insane as I am. So that's saying a that's lot. That's a fact. That's a fact. We had uh, a lot of fun when say that. I love his blue talk, so it's always good. It's a spark People, y'all can watch it. I, I can't believe how hundred people are telling me in a stupid messenger that I haven't seen the gate. Look, it is available on both sites. In a little while, I'll go find a damn thing and come and put it in the chat.
2: But we'll then, make sure also to that that through Joe, and Joe will be doing it quite a bit too, on uh, April 25th, it'll be broadcast live. You can see yeah. it there. And we have we have the UK's top swing band will be performing too, so they're doing they're putting together a whole um show before the before it That's starts excellent. we'll have a 20 minute uh show from them really? as well yeah
3: at the at the gala yeah oh wow nice yeah
2: it's going to start a bit early because it's it's on a thursday night instead of a friday night this year so it's on a thursday night and so um we're going to make sure we have enough time for people to still do the signing before leaving to go home because it's it's a work night instead of a weekend night
1: mhm just
2: no, oh, James, you gotta you gotta be invited. I'm sorry,
1: dude. Unless you know somebody there, you gotta be invited. You could pr- try to, you know, bribe uh John, but I don't think it's gonna help you because he will smack him. <laughs> uh no, just win. You can't go this year anyway. If you won, you'd be next year. But you yeah, you can submit away. Uh in and, and being forty one. Yeah. When win winning and being forty one. Uh, so galaxypress.com if you want to buy anything com. if you just if you got something you want to submit or if you want to take the free writer's course or listen to any of the stuff that's that's where you go they got, they got oodles and boodles of stuff over there it's a really clean yeah. pretty white site too it's a nice clean site and um, well no galaxy press if you want to buy anything galaxy press is where you go and yeah, that's where all the books are at all the audio books are there the pads the thumb drives all of that's there so that's where you go mm-hmm Oh well, Denise, you know what? I need a thumb drive. I need to refill my
2: new. I need to refill my what?
1: Joe, what man? I,
0: I, We're
2: interviewing Spencer about books. Spencer, Spencer, Sp- Sp- not man, sticking man. out her hand, going,
0: please, please, oh, <laughs> a for the thumb post. Drive, Host.
1: man. Oh. No, I need a thumb drive from y'all, not from just any regular thumb drive. Just go look on just go look on their website at Galaxy Press. They got some say You need to get me one of those. Anyway, back to okay. what we were talking about. I can't help it. I gotta replace what I got stolen. You know how that shit goes. us uh, see how maybe cost. Look at that. Dang it. Um no, we don't care about Marvel. No, we don't. DeSantis is great. He's gonna be fun. Him and Tom always pick on each other, so it's fun hanging out with him. And uh they're always these guys, when they're talking to people, are great. I, I've listened to both of them. Well, they're both illustrators, by the way. Whoever just asked me that, but um, they're great to listen to. They they have a wealth of knowledge, and then if Echo gets in there, I mean, Jesus, you've pretty much got the the illustrator industry covered. Uh, yeah. Between the three of them, I mean, they they pretty much dominate out there. So it's just 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 a lot of good material. And you can go to any e- Echo Turnit, you can go to her website and, and find her, and Tom Woods and his website, and uh, what is it, Dan DeSantis? Is that Dan his
2: DeSantos, Yeah,
1: yeah, Dan DeSantis. So you can go to his website and, and check it out as well. <laughs> All three of them have been on a network. You can go find them on any of our YouTubes. Uh, they've been on, been interviewed. They've been interviewed by John on Writers of Future and by us. Um, actually, there's a really good one. It's um, it's Tom Wood, Echo Chernik, and uh, Larry L- Elmore, and they're I got them all on a couch <laughs> packed together with a little with a little. Uh, White Snowball, Mike, asking him a question. It's a great interview. Y'all should go check it out. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) It's a really good interview. But anyway, enough about all of that. Um, So Spencer, I mean, you got to give me something. I need a book, man. I need something. You got to write me something, dude. Come on. I can't take this. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I know all these writers now. I, I was, was a matter of fact, on my other show on News and the Flipside a week before last, I was bitching. I said, I must know 500 writers now. and I ain't got a damn book to read. I'm like, there's something <laughs> wrong with this. I said, Can you, well, there's something wrong with this picture, man. I mean, I get them. I've,
3: I've got like 20 or 30 short stories sitting around, but they're in that endless cycle of sending to magazines and getting them rejected, uh, right? It's endless. Well, um, yeah, that's part but of I am, it, unfortunately. But I am working on, again, like, I'm working on like the series I wrote a few years ago and I'm revising that. And that's your, you know, near future sort of. I'll be looking stuff. for
1: that one. Just let me know when but, it's out. Uh, I'll
3: buy it. Uh, we'll see what happens with it, but I'm I'm seeing what I can do with it. And, you know, there's always a children of desolation, which I'm slowly but steadily getting into. And, you know, every book's its own challenge to write, I would say. That's for sure. But it's something I want to finish. That's for sure.
2: Plus, there's a bunch of fellow winners, too, you know, from, um, well, I don't well, at least you can join in there. Well, you yeah, know, with, with, um, they started their David Hankins and, cause he, he novelized his, but was it, was it 30, 37, uh, 38 where they created their own publishing house? The, um,
3: yeah, Murder, the, Murder Birds. Oh, Murder Birds. Okay. I was thinking of another one, like Calendar of Fools or oh, something. Oh, Calendar of
2: Fools. That's the name of the publishing yeah.
3: house. Murder Birds was the first book. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah.
2: They're, uh, they're definitely, um, That might be someplace, too, because when you get your book ready to have an outlet to be able to get published because they're solving their problem of how to get myself published and not just doing the straight self-publishing route, but then they can go um, through creating their own publishing house, which is what Kevin Anderson did, which is what um, Dean Wesley Smith did, which is what um, a few of our judges um, have done to create their own publishing houses so that could be an indie instead of self and where they have where they have problems with uh traditional because traditional will take one book a year and has to be a certain size and 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 they control a lot more than they were necessarily willing to um Mm -hmm. to give up to concede so that's also a potential resource for you you know to reach Mm -hmm. out to them to that as well
1: Mm -hmm. well let me ask both of y'all this question i would think Traditional publishers are going to probably be in trouble here. I mean, eventually, with everybody in and and all these other authors coming out and self-publishing, I mean, as these people get more known and more famous and their books start to sell more, and if they're not in publishing houses, it's got to hurt them. I mean, long term, it's got to hurt them. I noticed noticed there's not as many bookstores as it was just 10 years ago, like where I live, Uh, you know, the Barnes Nobles and basically Borders and all of them, there was one every, you know, 15 miles. Now there's like one in the whole town. Uh, that's it, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of independent bookstores, mind you, down in the French Quarter and all that sell all sorts of weird uh, kind of books. But some are old books, some are new books. But it's it's not it's not like the old days where you could walk in, you could go to like ten different bookstores, and and, and with a five mile range, it's not like that anymore. And uh, and uh, Barnes and Nobles pretty much took over down here and run everybody else off. There's one books a million, but it's way out in the east and uh, that's it And where there used to be 10 stores now there's two so i'm just thinking i mean these guys y'all y'all eventually and then we got to contend with ai in another 10 or 20 years i don't know if these big these big houses are going to be able to do that anymore i don't know how they're going to do it as this just grows
2: well the big houses are still the big houses they do i was going to for my next interview i'm going to actually research to see what the percentage is but they're still like easily 60 70 percent no yeah i don't doubt that they're they're huge they're they're billion dollar enterprises and um so they've got that the main thing though because you've got like the best-selling book of 2023 was harry you know and it sold however millions of copies that's just you're not going to get that from an indie or self published um distribution because they they have so many lines that they can control on on distribution um they can put that book in the supermarket stores, as well as the bookstores, as well as um, the, the online outlets too. So they're, they're still big, they're, they're still making the money. It's interesting though, um, when I went to New York last fall um, and I visited some of the different, um, my publishing um, relations there and I, I got with, I met with the, um, the Head of Publishers Weekly and I met with him, I went to his office and met with him. Nobody goes into work anymore. They're all working from home. And when I went there, there's mm-hmm. all of the offices there. There was one other person that was filing mail. Otherwise it was just him. Everybody else, any meetings I had to do with editors, they'd have a, a Zoom set up in their conference room. And that's how I did it. And I went to go see Library Journal. Same thing that my, my person there who is the head, um, sales rep for for the library journal came in and uh all the meetings he set up via skype or via yeah. you know, the skype channel there because nobody came to work anymore and he said these big publishing houses these huge you know however many stories 80 stories 90 stories tall buildings um they can't get all the leases and um 30 minutes they've got one or two one or two floors out of everything that they've rent and they're paying like However, millions of dollars—you know, like 100 million dollars a year for rent—and they're only filling up part of the part of the rooms there, just because people work from home now. So it is—it's a new world right now. And um,
1: don't don't actually, worry that that's going to end. You don't have to worry about that. They they're getting rid of people working at home. That's that's more and more companies. The main reason why is is, and this is true for every company that has uh, p- people are not in an office. The quality of the work decreases. They've, yeah. they've done a dozen studies now and they're like, no, you know, e- e- and even simple stuff like customer service they found has decreased immensely when taken out of an office setting. A lot of times you'll call, you hear a kid, woman's baby in the background crying or the kid's got a kid running around or the dog barking. Nobody wants to hear that, especially when they're calling a complaint or gripe about something, or when you're calling for tech support and you hear the TV playing in the background. It's just nobody nobody wants to hear that kind of stuff. And the more you, and, and the more you lose that office setting, the more people think they can get away with shit. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've seen some really big companies. Apple said all oh, their employees are coming back. Uh, pretty much all the big tech companies said, no, it isn't just is pretty much enough of this. And, and they want them back. And that's like what John was saying that when you have these big office buildings and you're not using me to sell them, and let everybody stay at home or keep them because really truly for companies buildings like that are an investment you know that's that's money down the line they were just talking about a company the other day i forgot which one it was but just in property they had 33 billion dollars so even if the company got in trouble these this is all bought and paid for a property they have yeah uh, so that that's money in the bank is what that is <clears throat> but somebody just sent me this uh, Marsha. from where are you from Marsha? New York City. Well, hello, New York. She said. Um, she said she's wondering why this has happened. She said, according to the census, the census uh, um, only half, less than half, the population actually read leisure anymore in the country, and that seems to be decreasing seven to ten percent per per decade. So at that rate, there'll be less than there. won't even be any book sales. It'll have to be something else. So what's what is it? What? What I guess what I'm
2: looking for here is what is it? What media is replacing this? Is it is you it got just video internet? games? You, you got yeah, yeah video games. Video. People, yeah, yeah, people are into that type of stuff. And
1: yeah, I'm just wondering if you if you're going to see if if it doesn't say anything about audiobooks. I'm kind of wondering if there's going to be a sort of a transition where maybe 20 percent of what used to be traditional readers may turn out to be audiobook re- or audiobook. Yeah, listeners.
2: well, I mean, yeah, but it's maybe. still only a couple percent of the book market. Audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah, that's One what I'm percent. saying. Yeah, it's a couple percent. But you've got, as long as you've got a, a culture that that's being intentionally created with a vocabulary of maybe 200 words, um, that's why you have so much profanity because they don't know words yeah, to they don't to, know it, anything to give else their now. feelings. So um, you've got that now, and it's just you keep on dumbing down, which is obviously somebody's strategy to dumb down America and maybe other places too. You're going to have um, there. It's the they read, you know, Well, I know maybe the, they'll read comics, but otherwise they play video games. They'll, they want to watch movies. A
1: lot of videos, a lot of movies. Well, I know mm-hmm. in the 80s we were on an increase in readers, and now all of a sudden in, in the 2000s, 2400, 20, 2024 want a decrease. And I'm just, I mean, I'm not super concerned as long as half the population is still reading, but it, it still worries me that what the other half is doing. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, leisure reading is fine, you know, and I know, unfortunately, for a lot of people these days, they're doing a lot of reading at work. So they don't want to read at home. You know, they're they're reading a lot of garbage that, you know, it just burns them out. and They don't want to read it. That's all fine. But some what they don't understand is is the reader is what helps us get the book to the movie stage. Without the reader, a book ain't never get unless it's just somebody who's famous already or somebody just picks up a book. So, oh, my God, it's just too unbelievable. We're going to make a movie out of it usually they go through become a bestseller whatever 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 and become a movie later on uh and and i don't want to lose that that spectrum of movies and tv series we get uh because all of a sudden we got a bunch of lazy people in our country it's um, because i mean really quality of 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 anything video audio lately has been saying this politely lacking is what i'll say I, I just so I just
2: yeah I'm not I'm not a movie person i'm I'm I do books but it's interesting I was with my doctor I'm doing a, a handling on my knee and I messed up running ran a marathon several years ago and um so I was concerned because I do a lot of radio I do um, my podcast and I do TV and I'm always concerned about remembering all the different factoids all the different things remembering and, remember, and remembering correctly so I said what you know I said, you know, because I got this podcast, I read almost a book, I read basically a book a week to prepare for it. And he said, one of the best things you can do to make sure you have your faculties with you all the way as you get older is reading, you know, that yeah. it, it, it mm-hmm. forces your, your brain and all the act- processes there to work. And so that's one of the best things you can do to maintain your facilities and not have problems with um, any type of Memory desp- deficit and and that type of stuff, which some so many people are experiencing now, so that's one yeah, the best you
3: know. She does read, and same goes for additional that is like you know physical exercise, resistance training, all of those things as well. Actually, have a very important brain link too to yeah. healthy cognitive, uh, mm-hmm. basically your cognitive health as you age too. Yeah, so you have so some
1: all of endorphins lifting, in your
3: brain like that lift, lifting lifting weights and reading, you know, like they, yeah. Well, you know, you
1: got, you got, you got, you got the new, the new joggers now with the little keyboards on You can watch little sceneries or watch movies or read a book. And, and, and what do you mean, Jessica? You can't read and jog at the same time. You can't, you can't. So you got to be sitting in the chair to read, is what you're telling me, right? Okay, I, no, I understand that some people can't be trying to read the book, but uh, not while
2: you're driving. No, you don't. No. You don't read. Well,
1: she says she's got a she's got one of those. She likes to jog at home, but she can't seem to focus enough to read while she's jogging. She's, you arguing, li- yeah, you can listen there. Yeah, she said. Well, she said that, and then she found some some texting that makes the text like five times larger. See what the problem is? It's only like two sentences on the screen. So Takes forever to read. I'm like, Wh- whatever, chick. Uh, just sit, you go, enjoy your little jog. You know. No, my doctor told me not to jog. He said I can do all the walking. I want you, to, but not to be jogging. He said no. No, not because of my heart, because I got, you know, knees and, and backs and all kind of stuff. I, used, uh, I was I was crazy when I was young, is all I can say. Yeah, so there's lots of aches and pains there. Actually, they take good care. There's no no aches and pains, just problems. You know, I can't be doing certain things. Um, no, I'm curious also yes.
2: with, with Spencer on um, on tip because I have to leave it a quarter till I'm, I'm invited to a birthday party. Oh, um, happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, no, not... Yes, it's, um, it's a... Uh, State Senator uh, Anthony yeah. Portantino, who's running for Congress, and so it's mo- mostly a fundraiser for him, in the, in the guise of a birthday party. But I uh, was invited he's to that, so up. he's, he's going to be. Uh, hopefully, he's replacing um, Adam Schiff as the uh, I, con- I, congressman. I'll throw
1: a freaking party if somebody replaces Schiff. Yeah. So uh, anyway, will. so
2: he's. I mean, he's trimming out. So um, I like. I met him at the uh, Christmas, Hollywood Christmas break because we we're the host for that. So, um, but I was curious in for you, Spencer, because I know we're we're getting close to the last half hour here, yeah. um, or 20 minutes or so, um, what would you give as a, as a tip for a writer trying to make it? Cause you've got a very, you have an intense job as, as a paramedic, you've got an intense objective to become a medical doctor and you're writing. So what would you give is in terms of a, of a tip or advice for someone who's got a lot of activities going on but who still wants to be a writer
3: well hmm. i'd say my best dress advice for that would be you got to be a bit unreasonable about it right like you got to carve out that time no matter how little time that is right that's yeah because the thing about writing is you can't just write one day and then not do it for six months and then you know you can't be like that you got to be consistent and Consistency is how you grow that muscle. It's how you grow anything, right? As every day or as, as often as possible, right? So even it's even if it's for and I apply this to working out too. Like even if it's just for 5 10 20 minutes a day, you know, I do it. And so the habit's always there, right? The habits alive, even if it's just a short amount of time. I kept the habit alive. Right. And the habit of writing is what enabled me to you know become a, a somewhat decent writer you know so so or an award-winning author uh, in the context There you go i like content, to, i like right? the second i like the second yeah answer. yeah yeah well, you got to be humble about it but uh <laughs> but yeah like so like just to carve out that time no matter how little it is and in some ways you do have to get your priorities sorted out and and, and you know be more efficient for sure like uh you know not uh you know Scroll on Twitter for three hours or whatever. You know, I'm guilty of that too. You know, you you get scrolling and, you know, time can fly, right? But, but really just sitting down and and making that determination that I want to write, I need to write, I want that to be part of my life. And, you know, I'm taking no prisoners, right? I'm going to carve out this, I'm going to carve out this time and nothing else is going to touch it. I don't care what, right? Like you got to be, you know, close the door, you know, and just nothing can get in for a little bit, no matter how long that is. And as you, entrench that habit more and more you'll probably start suddenly finding more time to do it you know so that makes sense but you can't just the you can't the biggest thing is is just to not say oh i'll do it someday right when i have more time or when this happens or when that happens right you know people tell me that yeah yeah yeah. the people tell me that all the time about all sorts of things right and i see a lot of people that are you know at the end of their lives and a lot of them tell me their regrets and they're like oh i wish i'd done this i wish i'd done that you know and I don't want that to be me with regards to writing. For
1: example, mm, I hear that. You
3: know? So, or if anything that I that I want to try, right? So, yeah. So, Joe, so you listen like,
2: to that advice there. You take that <laughs> advice from Spencer and finish that book of yours.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, how busy so, my life is. You look, you see, I, there, sure we, go.
3: there, early, there my, we go, there we go, there we go. He's heard that so many day. times.
2: That's just what Spencer was talking about.
3: And yeah, that's, but just that's my baby needs but, love. But um, so, yeah. So, make the time no matter how little it is, make that a habit. Don't put it off for tomorrow and uh, like start where you are, wherever you are, just, just start now, you know, and yeah. who cares? And if it's, if it stinks, it stinks, but you keep going and it, you find that it gets better and better, you know? Yeah. And yeah, the rest is history. That's,
1: it's so. dealing with life every day. You, you just got to keep on plugging away. What's yeah. that ba- banana, banana, ba- banana, banana, ba- whatever that name is. That's, that's just ridiculous. Uh, anytime, I the what, your name is like five things long. I'm not going to say. I'm just telling y'all ahead of time. So what do you what do you got for us? For we we get we ain't got much time, so you better spit it out quick. Oh well, so yeah, no, no. So anyway, crazy girl over here. She just wants to know who your personal favorite authors. And I ask this to a lot of authors. Sometimes I get an and sometimes I go, I don't exactly know. But anyway, she really wanted to know who your personal authors are and if you have any movies or books you would personally recommend to a. A, wait, a single woman, 30 years old with no kids and bored out of her mind.
3: Whew. Wow. That's no one's ever asked me that kind of question. And while he's answering say,
2: that, I've got to sign off here now. So thank you very much. Good seeing you again. John, I'll talk you to you soon, baby. I'll care, talk down. to you a bit later. Okay, great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, be sure ya.
1: to check John out. Writersoffuture.com people.
3: Yep. Yeah. All right. So the question, what like my favorite authors and what books I'd recommend.
1: Yeah. She said what you would recommend for a 30 year old woman. Who's, who's no kids, not married and bored out of her mind. Exactly, well,
3: hmm. it depends what, what your tastes are as a writer, right? But like, my favorite authors are like, you know, if you want to be occupied for a long time on a lot of very long, well written books, I mean, Brandon Sanderson has certainly got that uh, very he well does. put out, I would say. So, he's probably my favorite author, you know, like his, his various different series are all very well written and fantastic read. I'm reading them right now still because there's so many of them, so but um. But other offers uh, my second favorite would be brian mcclellan and he writes more of the the powder mage series or the trilogies and that's more again more sword and sorcery fantasy if you call it more of a, from in the the view of you know you know flintlocks and you know sailing ships so like 1700s flintlock fantasy if you're into that kind of thing so those are my two favorite offers but it depends on your taste right like i don't know what this what this uh so
1: so a banana 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 whatever the hell your name is what 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 do you like i know you if you listen to us it's got to be a fantasy or sci-fi or something along those so it oh you just like escape is stuff so as long as it's something that's that's and it's not real you're okay i understand okay she says as long as it's not real and it's it gives her an escape that's what she's looking for she said she just wants to pick up a book sit back and read it and just forget what the hell's going on around her and just disappear mm-hmm. into the book well, I don't know, Chick. That's that's a tall. One. I mean, am there's lots of books I'm sure that can do that. And yeah, sure. Yeah, lots.
3: Yeah. Uh, like the ones that did it for, the ones that did it for me would be again, buy those two offers I mentioned there. And, you know, by extension, be it Terry Brooks or Brent Weeks or, you know, a whole bunch of other ones, right? Like I got lost in those books and maybe check them out and, you know, see if you get lost in it too. You might be surprised. That's
1: all I can say on that. Yes, they're, 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 there's, there's there's a lot of good books out, there, but if you don't go pick one up and read it, you're not going to know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, to be honest with y'all, I mean, if you just if you're just looking for some fast reading, I would pick up a couple of the anthologies. And, True. And, yeah. And yes. Well, I say fast reading for some people, it's going to be faster than others, but the stories are not real long. Oh, there's twelve to fourteen per book, and. Um, they're good stories and, and, uh, um, they're going to be different. They're not all going to be the same genre. It's going to kinda And I noticed they, they try to put them in the book. So they kind of play along with each other and as a way of genre stack up, but they're not the same genre. So you might have some fantasy. You might have some punk. You might have some steampunk. You might have some deep sci-fi. you might have some near fantasy. You might have some near sci-fi. I mean, it, it's just, just depends on what the person I, I forgot how many genres you can write in for writers of future. It's, it's, I'd have to go look on the website to be sure, but well, it's at least eight.
3: Yeah. It's like speculative fiction in, in, in the broad sense, right? But,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I tell people when they're writing, think of like PG-13. PG-17 mm-hmm. will work, but PG-13 would be even better way to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Somewhere in that, in that group is, is where you should be when you, when you submit a book to them. Well, because you know, you know, if if it's if it's really heavy gore, really heavy sex, they're not going to accept it. They're going to kick it back.
3: Yeah, uh, that happened even, to me. Too. That happened yeah. to me.
1: <laughs> well, you know, because you you don't know until you try. You know, yeah, you exactly. get into a book and you get you get this train of thought and you're moving along with it, and then somebody says, "Oh, you can't do that. You got to remove that from your train of thought." It's not exactly the easiest thing to do, especially if it's something that's you know needs to be in there to, to move the story to the next point. Well, well, Bobby. I couldn't even tell you how many books are on the planet right now. Over a billion for sure. Over a billion for sure. Yes. Well you go worldwide, there's more than a billion books on the planet. Yes. I'm don't. don't. I don't, i talking about individual books. I'm not talking about uh, stories. If we start talking about how many book books there are on the planet, there's more than a billion. You want to know how I know? Because there are eight billion people on the planet and everybody owns at least one book. So even if it's a Bible, it's at least one book. <laughs> So yeah, there's at least eight or ten billion books on the planet,
3: or more probably. According to Google, Google, a quick Google search says there's a, over like 158 million books, but like you know, in terms of like just
1: stories, published books, published yeah.
3: books, okay. and then copies or That just doc. That's according to Doctor Google. Who who knows? There's lots. Yeah, that's lots that's
1: kind of that's low since we're we're on the, on this. Side. I, I forgot what the the Christians said. One time, the Catholics said there was more than two billion Bibles on the planet. Oh
3: yeah, yeah. It's uh, That's would be surprising.
1: Well, because well, what last I checked, there was almost two billion Christians on. It. I mean, two million Catholics on. It, I think it was like one point four billion Catholics, and when you add in Christians, like two point five, it's all the same Bible people. I, and I wouldn't even read that. I'd go back and read because we're not going to get into this because it's too much, it's too complicated. The Bible you read today ain't even the original Bible that was written. So you, 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 I don't even know what you're arguing with me about. No, you don't have to believe me. You can work it backwards. So I had requested, this was, uh, oh God, like 30 years ago. I had requested I wanted to go to the honeycombs in the Vatican because there was some things I wanted to look at. Well, I got several requests, but one of the things they showed me was a Bible from, it was from 882 or something. So the guy was flipping it with this weird little sticky thing. Yeah, even if you were there, you wouldn't be allowed to touch it. And you have to have masks on stuff. So they actually flip it for you. I think it's in Honeycomb too, 2. Uh, and everything's, I think everything was in Greek or Latin. It might have been in Latin. I'm not sure. Whatever it was, I couldn't read it. So they were translating it for me. And none of it sounded like the original Bibles or, or the Bibles we have today. None of it. it. It sounded like a whole different thing. It was freaky weird. And then you got the King James Version, which is what most people are reading today, but that's only because what's his name needed to get divorced. So I mean, it's it's changed a lot. That's all I can tell you. Don't don't be don't argue with me. Educate yourself and find out what, what you're actually reading and, and why you're reading what you're reading. It's not that hard to do. We we do it because we get we get requests for different shows uh, dealing with different Bibles like the Tehran and yeah. And and what stories came from where well, Noah. Believe it or not, it's a 6,000-year-old story. And it's actually several stories in the modern Bibles that are way older than the Bible itself, way older than Christianity. Mm, Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, No, the Great Flood, the Great Flood, the Sumerians and the Egyptians talk about the Great Flood 6,000 years ago. (sighs) So it kind of messes up with the storytelling is all I got to tell you. all Uh, That's why it's called faith, Jimmy. That's why it's called faith. Have faith. That's all I can tell you. I, I tell this to people all the time because, you know, I, I talk about a lot of different things and, and religion gets drug up into it sometimes. So you should never allow someone like me to be able to affect your beliefs. If you truly believe in whatever it is that you believe in, and I mean, you have that, that devout, it shouldn't matter what I say. It shouldn't even phase you. You should just be like, Oh, he's some stupid alien from some planet who wants to, you know, do whatever it's you just shouldn't. If, if I believed, if I was devoutly believing in something, you what you said would not change my views. No. No, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual, I guess would be a better way of saying it. I'm not religious. Don't, don't, I'm just not. Uh, everybody has their own rights. You know, a good friend of mine's always bitching about karma, this, karma, that, karma, this. I told you, you know, I was sent here to teach karma, not to learn. He's like, wait, what? I said, well, somebody's got to be teaching this shit, right? And I said, if y'all are learning, somebody's got to be teaching it. He's, ever since I said that, he's like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. He said I never thought about it. Some people might just be teaching it. I was like, I'm sure they're learning as well. Uh what you got, Stephanie, for for this? who? I have I don't I I don't I, I've never even heard the name. Okay, well that's that's a better question. What is his favorite movie? I don't how you know he's got a favorite movie. Hmm.
3: Okay. Yeah, I can answer that question. So yeah, I don't yeah, really watch. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like I don't watch that many. Like, I'm not, I'm not really a movie guy. I would say like I watch maybe a handful a year, if that. If that. Yeah, that's probably but, what I do uh, a handful a year. Yeah, but I'd say Apocalypse Now was probably. Ooh, it's a good I, that's, one. That's, a, that's a good one. I, and That's because I, I read I read Conrad's Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness before watching the movie, mm, and I really like the Heart had. of Darkness. It was a great book, and then of course the Heart of Darkness is part of what inspired the Apocalypse Now, the movie itself. So the movie was just, you know, I, as a reader, I was like, holy crap, this is cool. You know, Vietnam version of the book, really. And it was mm-hmm. uh, so so that was probably my favorite, I would say.
0: It's a I good really movie. Like,
3: yeah. Like, I'm also really into like if you've heard of Miyazaki, he's a Japanese filmmaker and he makes gorgeous animated films, like all hand drawn. So I also really like his films, too. They're very, you know,
1: you know where I learned about that guy? I was watching. Um, uh, what was that? um legends of tomorrow one of the dc series and they actually oh, yeah. talk about him in one of the episodes they actually go to japan to get this guy who's who's drawing these octopuses that are eating everybody and they, <laughs> they to actually talk about this guy and i had to look mm-hmm. him up to see exactly who they were talking yeah they would throw stuff in weird stuff like that and, and it's a dc a series but uh oh no, it's off the no. air now people it's like it went like nine or ten or seven or eight i think uh, years it went yeah it's not bad hmm. it's not great but it's not bad um Sci-fi series. So, uh, Michael, where are you from? Michael, Los Angeles. I don't know if I'm gonna ask your question. You one of them L.A. people? He, he just wants to know if you got any series you'd recommend uh, for watching. sci-fi. Yeah, for sci-fi. Mm. He said fi- sci-fi or fantasy is actually what he said.
3: Whew. That's
1: a tough. Man. one. The new series are scarce right now.
3: Yeah, like I haven't really watched any of the new series, and really, I was more into like series. What? Oh, the, you know what? Like the first bit of the witcher was good i didn't watch mm-hmm. the other seasons but the first season was good i like that
1: yeah
3: but you know but i've been to like more of the historical fiction like vikings or you know or stuff like breaking mm-hmm. bad but really, really like breaking bad that was really good so
0: but yeah, those are those are good I actually
3: i haven't actually watched many fantasy like series or sci-fi series really I'm just too busy reading the
1: books i guess yeah probably so actually well I, to be honest with you in the last five years i've only th- watched a handful and two of those was uh altered carbon and expanse
3: and oh, the uh, expanse I've, I've seen clips of that it looks pretty pretty
1: expanse, good expanse is expanse see expanse is weird <clears throat> season one is really good season two is pretty good I think it's season three one of the seasons completely suck it might be four I think it's season four. <laughs> it's, it's hard to get through that particular season. And then, and it should have been a better one, but, but they got six seasons out of it. But I hate that they even say it now because today, you know, six seasons is what. In the old days, you'd get, if you, if when you were doing it, uh, you'd get six years, which would be probably 125 episodes. Today, you get six years, you get, and usually it takes more than six years to get them, you get about 62 episodes. It's, it just bites. And somebody was Mm -hmm. bitching about Dr. Who the other day because the first eight doctors did 50 a year. Well, yeah, okay, it was a whole different world back then. And then it switched over to 25 a year. But now it's, you know, now the new doctors, I think, does 10 or 12 a year. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you keep your fan base when you're only doing 12 a year. It's, It's hard. I know I forget about him. I don't watch him. I don't I don't see him unless somebody reminds me, oh Jared, this was really good. You need to go watch it or something like that. And then I'll go watch it. But um I, I anything that has that short of a season, I forget. What are you talking about, Jimmy? Oh, well, have you seen he wants to know if you've seen Star Trek Discovery? That's an Discovery? arguable one.
3: Discovery? No, yeah. I've I've seen like, you know, like the old Star Trek or Deep Space Nine or yeah. a bit of uh oh, what was the other one? Uh, either way, like the older ones back in
1: like the nineties. Yeah, 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 Deep Space Nine. You had Voyager. You had, the classic yeah, one with, with, yeah, uh, with yeah, Patrick yeah, Stewart. With yeah, Patrick Generations. Stewart. Yeah, yeah, Generations. Yeah, uh, and and then and then after that, you had Enterprise came out, which is a few years after all of them, which Scott Bakula was the captain. And then you got the three new ones. You had Discovery, Picard, and uh, Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds is pretty good. Strange New, is new Worlds is is strange. You know what Strange New Worlds is. It's the old Star Trek, Kirk Star Trek is basically what it is. It, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's not a series of put together. Each show stands independently. You know, it's, it's basically that kind of series. So you're not going to really see a bunch of like Discovery. Each season was just a show. It was basically just one big ass show the whole entire time. Um, and unfortunately for Discovery, even though it is good sci-fi, it is crap when it comes to Star Trek. It took so many liberties that you you couldn't even call it Star Trek anymore. That's why they finally just went to the future and and tried to get away from the genre altogether. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) They were just effing up. So, I mean, somebody got in there and thought they were going to change it. And and unfortunately, I don't think they realized, but Star Trek fans are, you know, pretty rigid in in what they believe in. Uh, I I don't know. Gotta be careful. Gotta be careful. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not that rigid of a Star Trek I like Star Trek and and I like Star Wars, but I'm not that rigid of a fan. You're not, you're not, I'm not going to hold you. Uh, completely to the old standards of the shows because things change and technologies change and understandings of the worlds and universes change. So sometimes you have to change to keep up. Sometimes yeah. you, sometimes you just change because you think you can do a better story.
3: Yeah, but there's always like a distribution where it's like you know you can go too far either way. Yeah, you and can. That's and, and that's spot that's hard to hit. Yeah.
1: Uh, no, John, we're going to be out of here in about four or five minutes because we started off four or five minutes. What? What do you got? Favorite, what? Oh, you said music. I'm sorry. That, that looked like jibber jabber. it says musician, but when you first wrote it, it looked like jibber jabber. There was like little dollar signs in there and then little eyeballs and stuff. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> a, I, you know, I pay money when I have to do mind reading. So, anyway, what's, what's, what's your question? I did see that. So, he, he's got a question. So, there was a European book that came out that you read, but the book was set to music. So, as you turned the page and read the story, there was actually a, a low music that played in the background, like one of them $5 gift store cards you buy. Right. Um, yeah. I, I read about it, it a while back and, and um, it was just strange. The guy was, you know, he's, he would throw them through it. He turned a page and, and each page had a, a little tune. I guess it had a little, one of them little things in there. just played a little tune. And I was like, what the, and it was real, real low. I guess it was the enhanced the story. I wish I could remember the name of the book
3: that's interesting never heard
1: of that it was it was a very strange thing and and the guy who was touting it said it's gonna be a thing in the future and i never heard about it since but he just wrote me about it yeah no i think it was i want to say it was in england in london or somewhere but not in london it was in one of them you know what it was in one yeah you're right it was in one of them doctor who towns cardiff i think is where it was Hmm. i think the same place they staged the alien oh that was great have you ever seen that footage Oh, so there's a guy who dresses up in his 12 foot alien costume. He looks like an alien. He's walking around town in his alien costume, running up to CC cameras and shaking them and shit. So they sent the cops out after him. <laughs> you know, well, British cops don't carry guns, so he's, you know, at least he's lucky about that. So the cops pull up. You see two different cop cars pull up, and they get out the car, and the guy's like, <laughs> they get back in their car and all ass. It was like watching comedy, man. And then somebody comes back with a gun. And he's out pulling his head off. It's, you know, no, no, don't shoot, me. don't shoot. Me. <laughs> this is what was, that, what, was that, what was that? about six, seven years ago? Yeah, it was a little while back. But it was, it was. I don't know who got this stupid idea. Why? But and no, we're, we're gonna. We'll, I'll say that before we go. But um, and then when y'all can bring it up on Wednesday show on UFO Undercover. But yes, Elon Musk said he doesn't think aliens exist in the universe or in in our galaxy. Let me rephrase that. I was like, "You're on crack, Elon." Even the government now realizes aliens exist. You mean what do you think? I don't, look, I'm not going to get into all of that. Aliens, if they if they exist for whatever reasons, look. First off, any life form that's born off this planet is an alien. Whatever it is, it could be a freaking amoeba, and it's still an alien. Um, I guarantee you they will find, I I said this 25 years ago, they were going to find water on Mars and they would probably find at least microbiological life, probably things like funguses and spores. Well, they found that. They know there's liquid water on Mars now and they know for a fact that when the ice cap recedes at the Arctic pole, that something's there growing. It shrinks when the ice cap comes in and it grows when it goes away. So obviously there's something there alive. And then there's been methane and oxygen plumes on Mars, not little plumes, big plumes. Uh, The first time we ever found one was with Voyager. I mean, not Voyager, with Viking. And uh, we found it again with Viking 2. And then they said, oh, it was something to experiment. But now we have found it with all the rovers. Oh, yeah, I did see the helicopters. It wasn't responding yesterday. I haven't heard anything else about it. Yeah, that's the last I heard. So, yeah, there's a pretty good chance that there's life on Mars. Well, I don't know if it's intelligent. I don't think so. And if it is, oh well, we missed out it probably underground, but there's definitely life on Mars other than what we think. Mars has everything is supposed to have life. It has heat, it has it has atmosphere, it has gravity, it has liquid water. All those things are conducive to life. Look at our own planet. You get shit in the desert, and the black smoke is in the bottom of the marinara trench. I mean, look, life lives everywhere here. So don't think just because Mars is dry on the top, it's not wet somewhere else. Or, you know, it, we know for now, we know for sure it had oceans on it. So there's probably water locked in under, under, under the ground somewhere. Yeah, we'll find it. It won't take that much longer. If At the rate Elon's going, probably in a decade, maybe two, they'll find some kind of life. What I'm waiting to see is not that they're going to find life. I think they're going to find life on several of the moons and stuff. What I'm waiting to see is when we find, like, an artifact. That's what I'm waiting to see. When we go to where to um the to where these the support called pyramids are and where all those ruins look like the ruins, and they actually go up and say, "Oh shit, they really are ruins that's what I want to see Nothing else really matters I, I as far as finding microbes or rats or birds or whatever may be on a planet, I have no doubt we're going to find that, but I'm just waiting to see when we see Spencer standing out with the book one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you tell them where they can find you. We got to get out of here, but tell them where they can find you and what you're going to be doing in the future. And if uh, what do you mean he's single? He's in where he's in the whole side of the other planet right now. What are you even worried about that?
3: Yeah, that's uh, uh <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah, skating, that's, uh... yeah, that's not, that's not even your business question. I mean, getting a bit he, personally, are not we?
1: But yeah, uh, I know he might like aliens, as far as you know. You better just stay. You know, it's I, the funniest damn thing that we get these kind of questions, and and we do almost every, almost every guest, except for some of the more, um, the more cranky guests. But I don't know what it is. I, I mean, are y'all that desperate people? I mean, he's good looking, but that's not what I mean. All right, I came out
3: the wrong way. Oh, thank you, thank you
1: very much. Sir. I apologize that's for that, Spencer. That. Yeah. I came out the wrong way, but you yeah. know. <laughs> You know, it's called the internet and there's lots of thousands of hundreds of dating sites on there go, go find you a spouse. I just thought so, it was rude.
3: Great. I'm sorry. Good. So anyway, where they can find me and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell them where they can right, get to. So, yeah. So basically I'm on, like I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and um, I have my personal website as well. It's uh, net for my personal website. And basically everything else you can find just by Googling my name, because I haven't seen anyone else. At all with my name at all so it seems like a pretty <laughs> that's a, a very term. uncommon that's it's the it's basically yeah so just google spencer Seculin and you'll probably find something about me that's for sure yeah so that's my best dressed recommendation i would say
1: so guys girls if you forget all you gotta do is come back listen to the archive or post it up and and uh, or just skip to the back and you'll know where his address is uh janine no oh, we're going what do you mean new york city he's in ireland not new york city what are you wait were y'all even listening tonight? Really? I'll, I'll I'm to in life. Dublin right now. It's 11 p.m.
3: Yes, yes. It's almost he,
1: he, he, man's got to go to bed. He got he, look. He's studying to be a, okay, guys. Real quick. He's studying to be a doctor. Oh, that's why you probably asked that question, huh? Okay, I see, dog. Um, <laughs> he's studying to be. None of this is easy. I have several friends that are going through med school, and uh, none of it is easy. None of it. No, it, it's work, and it's not just. It's it, you have to retain it. It's not like you can just pass a test. And go on. This is stuff you need to retain because you may need it in the future. Yes, unfortunately, that's just how it is. What do you mean, take a needle? That's for a nurse, man. Doctors ain't supposed to be doing that. A nurse is supposed to be doing it. So I'm sorry, I don't get in trouble now anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna get you in trouble, Spitz, Let me get out of here.
3: No comment. No
1: comment. Yeah, that's that's a nurse. If the doctors do that, what the hell are nurse nurses gonna do? I mean, really? Come on. Anyway, we're out of here. I hope everybody enjoyed the evening, and night. Remember, you can find us here every Saturday from three to five PM uh, Central Time. Of course, I'll be here six to eight on Wednesday, nine to usually about one AM on Fridays, and Mondays when I am doing uh, uh, science and beyond, it's usually uh, three to five. So uh, you can catch us doing that. No, three science and beyond is just science, science. It's it's no it's no flippy side science. It's just hardcore science. I'm a geek. I can't help it, man. I, I and truly in my heart. I am a geek, but anyway, on that note, we got to get out of here. Everybody enjoy your Saturday and, and, have, and for everybody who's listening to us and it's Sunday, I hope you have a happy Monday tomorrow. And for that note, good night. Stay tuned for dun, 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 the gray zone.
3: With Take care. Doshman. Thanks for coming, everyone. It's, sh- sh-